This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanksgiving, everybody, and welcome to this special Thanksgiving episode of the Geek Buddies. <laughs> that is perfect. That is absolutely perfect. There it is. Uh, I love it. I love it. We are back this week with our main show here a little early in the week because, of course, Thanksgiving is on Thursday, and uh, we are going to be uh busy with our own thanksgiving day plans uh, i know i'm driving up to la it's gonna be a, lot, a very busy day for sure uh and then uh i want to relax on friday and pick out a nice christmas tree at the home depot so we thought you know what we're going to come a little bit early this week here live for uh, uh at 7 p.m pt here on the west coast we appreciate you all hanging out with us but let's introduce ourselves before we get into any of the matters we're going to talk about today i am the outlaw john roker writer producer and host here on the geek buddies I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer, and I'm getting so many auditions right now. It's really great. It's been so long. I think I forgot how to act. Nice. Are you? Are they all uh, like um, tape, or are you going in? All tape. Wow. All tape. Oh, so wow. many tapes. Maybe I should stretch out and get back in this game, Mike. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, we'll do some, we'll do some stretches not... on Thursday. We'll do some stretches on Thursday after we eat all that turkey. It'll be great. Oh, please. I'm going to need some. I'm going to definitely bring in the elastic bands for that situation. But yes, yeah, so congratulations to Shannon, of course, having booked something last week that he announced. I'm sure there'll be more bookings in the future. We have a very talented friend. Uh, not, not only can he write, but he can say words on camera very well. So we look forward to hearing more of this news. He's more He's so. more than just those shitty jokes, folks. He's got a lot going on. <laughs> I had one jokes. for today, Shannon. I had one for happy thanks geeking. Does that work or no? Is that too far? Happy is that kind of trying for, too for me? Yeah, is that? Am I <laughs> going too far? Not too oh, far. Oh. Absolutely. All right. Hey, Geeks giving. Geek, I like Geeks giving. Geeks giving. Geeks giving works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's what we're doing today. We're going to talk about the Nicholas Holt story for sure. We're going to talk about the Dave Filoni story, which is massive. We're going to touch on the Melissa Barrera story as well. Not get too deep into that, but certainly just reactions to it. Um, and then we're going to talk about all these other things that are going on in the world of entertainment. The gentlemen have asked me to essentially play point guard for those who don't play basketball. I'm just serving it up so they can score. Uh, and we're, <laughs> we're going to have a good time. 
having a fun conversation. But I do want to remind you all the Streamlabs and Super Chats are open. You know, we've been, we're almost near the end of the year of another year of the Geek Buddies. We'd love it if you sent in your thanks through Streamlabs and Super Chats tonight, sending in your questions, thoughts, and comments, supporting the show. We'd love to read them on the air. And later on, we're going to have a special segment where we talk about all the geek things we're thankful for in our lives, uh, which is probably going to be cheesy, but very on brand for us here on the at the Geek Buddy. So it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about for sure. Uh, but yeah, but let's get into and, and, and the uh, Streamlabs address rather is pinned in the chats in the description of the video. Eventually, it'll be in the graphics on screen, but you can send it in through there. But let's get into the first first story here. This is a massive story. Nicholas Holt has been tapped to play Lex Luthor here in Superman Legacy. This is something that. I think I speculated on, a number of people speculated on, that maybe Nicholas Holt wasn't necessarily going in for Superman. Maybe he was going in for Lex Luthor. I think we had a thumbnail weeks ago where I found someone who did a fan art of Nicholas Holt as a bald Lex Luthor, but there's nobody happier for this news on planet Earth than the gentleman who's sitting below us, Michael. That is Shannon McClung. Shannon, your thoughts on this Nicholas Holt, always a bridemaid, never a bride for the hero side, but landing one of the biggest villains ever in the history of comics and on-screen superhero movies. So your thoughts on this? I mean, Nicholas Holt is a terrific actor. I mean, like when, when it came out that he was, he had been, you know, in contention for Bruce Wayne in the, uh, in, in that, that Pattinson yes. ended up getting. Um, he, he's always, as you said, John, he's always been in the, in the orbit of getting yeah. something really, really huge. Uh, and you know what? He was, he was Hank McCoy. I mean, he, he did a fantastic job in those um, X-Men prequel movies. And you can debate the quality of some of those movies, but he sure. always turned in a fantastic, performance um when he was when he was jack and jack the giant slayer i think there were a lot of expectations like all right here we go this is this is the arrival right and that movie um you know that beanstalk did not go all the way up as it were <laughs> uh, so the the idea that he had been up for clark kent and i know a lot of folks felt he was maybe not not uh not the best choice for that yeah. but the idea that he could also be up for lex luther as well I thought he, I think he would have been a terrific Clark Kent. Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm thrilled that he's going to get to play a character as nuanced as Lex Luthor. I mean, I think the the cast that James Gunn is assembling for this first movie in this new gigantic universe, it seems really, really impressive. And yeah. as the president of the Nicholas Holt fan club, he is a deep, you know, close personal friend of mine. Um, you know, we were we were on the phone the other night, and he is delighted. <laughs> climb <laughs> into my head and tell me i'm wrong <laughs> michael your thoughts on this nicholas holt as lex luther you're the resident superman fan i did have to go to the nicholas holt fan first but of course, your thoughts, of course as a superman <laughs> fan here when you look at nicholas holt taking over this role do you like the casting do you think it works uh do you think he'll bring the right amount of energy to this character i mean here is here's nicholas holt uh i mean this is not bad this is not bad I absolutely buy it as a kind of intimidating young Lex Luthor, much more than Jesse Eisenberg. So your thoughts as you look at this possibility? Well, I'm thrilled that it's not Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, <laughs> no, this is, look, this, in, in addition, it's, um, what's his face? Uh, Skyler uh, from, from um, Righteous Gemstones is Jimmy Olsen. Oh, what's yeah, it? I'm going to put that up in a second. Let's focus okay, on Nicholas. But I just, yeah, so, yeah. like, look, just across the board, this yeah. is turning out to be a banger cast. And a bat like like this is 100%. like 
this is getting very exciting. Like yeah. expectations, obviously, for the first big movie in the James Gunn, Peter Saffron uh, DC universe are already yeah. uh, through the roof. But every announcement that's coming out, it feels right. Yeah. Every announcement that comes out, you're like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Nicholas Holt, you look at the great and you're like, oh, yeah, you can do this. He's fantastic. You're, you're good. You're good. This is going to be awesome. Um, I'm counting the days until uh, Aquaman 2 is swept out to sea so that we can oh. just be done with all of it. And I can wow. just get – I was texting with our good uh, – our, our, our tried and true DC fan, Mike Kalinowski. And oh, I yeah. reminded him that as soon as Aquaman 2 is out of the way – he and I get to be excited about the same thing for like a good year and a half, which has never happened before. Um, we're 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 good to go. Like I am, I am ready wow. to go all in on DC. And every single mm -hmm. casting announcement thus far has uh, has gotten me more excited. All right, as if you guys weren't insufferable enough. Now you're both going to go for the same thing. <laughs> That's going to be an interesting situation as well. Unstoppable. Michael, <laughs> let me swing back to you. Again, as you were alluding to here, let's bring these up, these two actors who have been cast as well to join the cast of Superman Legacy. As you said here, Skylar Gizondo, Gizondo is going to be playing Jimmy Olsen and Portuguese model and former Victoria's Secret Angel Sarah Sampaio has landed the role as villainous Eve Tassbacher. So this is a fascinating combo of characters that we're bringing in that kind of touch on the 1978 Superman but also uh, kind of walk their own path with the combo of the different actor or characters rather that are being brought together. So what are your thoughts on the casting of both of these characters? And, uh, and uh, what do you think about Miss Tessbacher coming back to the Superman well, uh, 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 fold? Look, you bring up that picture of him again. I mean, just look at that face sure. and those red cheeks. I mean, look at that smile. I mean, this yeah. guy, like, yeah. have you ever seen a more Jimmy Olsen guy in your life? Like, look That's at true. him. He looks, he literally looks like, yeah grandma's apple pie i mean yeah, that yeah. is the most jimmy olsen face you've ever seen Look at that. um he looks great i mean he looks great as jimmy olsen and that uh listen guys i'm just i'm just happy that jimmy olsen isn't going to be an unnamed character that gets shot in the head in the first five minutes of a movie so i think jimmy olsen go. is justice for jimmy olsen this time around um he looks great <laughs> and miss Tessmacher being sort of a part of the superman legacy just makes me happy yeah. Um, Miss Tess, Miss is such a, in, listen, I will always love that original Donner Superman, despite yeah. the fact that a good chunk of that movie is very, very cheesy. Everything Gene Hackman does as, as over the top and silly and fun as it is not really my Lex Luthor, but something about that ridiculous Miss Tessmacher role yeah. really kind of landed. It really kind of played something about this person who was just like kind of Lex Luthor's kind of hanger on, but then at the end had that turn and said, I'll help you if you like it. Yeah. She was, she was a, there's something about that that kind of stuck. And I always love, look, I don't think Miss Tessmacher is quite on the Harley Quinn level, but I love <laughs> yeah. in the history, but I do love in the history of these uh, characters that have gone on for 60 years, every time yeah. a new character pops up, and just sort of lodges in the geek consciousness. Now, granted, yeah. Harley Quinn went on a very big journey to become the Harley Quinn that we all know and love today. But the fact yeah. that a character like Miss Tessmacher that could have easily just kind of gone down into the, okay, that was the 70s, we'll leave that behind, is still around. It just shows a love for that part of Superman. And I think everything that James Gunn has said about his inspirations, 
whether that be Superman for all seasons, all-star Superman, the original Donner Superman, the type of Superman he's creating and the character that he's going for. um, All of it is lining up for me with what I think of when I think of the man of steel. Mm -hmm. And as we've talked about several times, uh, Zack Snyder's vision for Superman wasn't quite mine. A lot of people, a lot of you guys listening absolutely love that vision. And that's awesome. But I think this vision for Superman is more in line with what I think of and what, like what inspires Mm -hmm. me about Superman. So, uh, all, all, as I said, every single announcement that's been coming out, including all the other superheroes that are in this movie is getting me, is getting me amped. Yeah. Scott Lucasano, for those of you maybe going like, where have I seen him before? Obviously righteous gemstones. Some of you may remember him from Booksmart, and I remember him standing out in a shitty, shitty movie called Licorice Pizza. He was fantastic <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> Fuck that movie. But he was great as this prick who was always used to getting the roles and him getting like uh, um, getting it put back in his face later on in the movie. So he did a really nice job with that. So I like that he's got a little bit of edge to him. So I think this Jimmy Olsen is going to be wide-eyed, but maybe a little more worldly than we've seen before. And that's going to be a nice combo here uh, as we go along. So Shannon, your thoughts on both of these castings, uh, because Miss Tessmager is gorgeous. And so, and then the other side with Skylar, as Michael said, what an apple pie looking Jimmy Olsen. Your thoughts? Yeah. And the thing with Skylar Gassando, and like he was also in that uh, Netflix series, The Santa Clarita Diet. And oh, right. the- like I didn't love the show. I watched a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't love it, but he is he's really funny, but he's really funny in that kind of grounded sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that is important because I think Jimmy Olsen, uh, when you are going for Grandma's apple pie, it's it's probably easy to play that broad. Right. And I right. think that's right. probably not what he's going to do. I think there is a way to play that wide-eyed innocence without yeah. kind of, you know, you know, playing to the back row. Mm-hmm. Um, so his his comedy, what he's done in the past, that gives me um, a lot of encouragement for how Jimmy Olsen is going to be portrayed. Yeah. I mean, you can already see him and Rachel Brosnahan together, him struggling to keep up with her as they're as the, you know they're oh. going to report on the you know the oh, latest God. heroic story yeah. <laughs> on Superman. Guys, the um, marvelous the marvelous Miss Lane still has got me. <laughs> That's still the best casting. <laughs> and uh, is it Sarah Sampaio? Yeah, Sarah Sampaio. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, this is the type of role that if you, you know, you, you are kind of putting together a murderer's row of, of a cast here. Yeah. This is the type of role. It's like, all right, we can, we can get somebody new. Um, we can yeah. get someone who's a, a little, a little more untested. I mean, the, the people that you have playing the soup, the superheroes that are in this movie, I mean, again, it's a murderer's row of talent. So yeah. I think uh, aside from being the fact that, yes, she is quite beautiful. Yeah. Um, uh yeah like let, let's let's see let's see what james gunn can do with someone that we haven't met before because he did that in the suicide squad with yeah. ratchet too and found right. somebody great yeah and certainly look i know his wife gets a lot of sh- or people give him a lot of shit for casting his wife it's one of his damn good actress and she was she like is. you know kind of like a character actress or a, a bit player you know a guest star recurring she was not a lead and so to get her into a situation like this i thought she's she's been fantastic and so, you know, I like that his thinking is out of the box, right? A Portuguese model who's got a little bit of experience. As I'm looking at her resume, she's been working since 2017 in multiple projects, both in Spanish and in English, or sorry, Portuguese and in English, which I think is great to see. Uh, then you've got the other members of the cast uh, that are also a part of this, like Mar- Maria Gabriela de Faria, bringing her in as the engineer. That's an interesting 
take on it as well. Then you've got Eddie Gathagy as Mr. Terrific. You've got Anthony Kerrigan. Let us not forget that Rex Mason is in this film as well. Then, of course, Nathan Fillion as Guy Gardner, which would be a lot of fun, and Isabella Merced as Hawkgirl. So as a Latino, I'm looking at this cast going, this is fucking great. So I'm very excited because they're unusual choices, and the combo of them is going to make for a very lively Superman legacy yeah. that feels like it's shaping, as Michael said, like it's going to be a lot of fun. And I got to tell you, as a gay man, I'm looking at this cast and I'm not too mad about it either. <laughs> there if it you is. get my drift. Tell you what, what do you, I'm what do you, for. what do you, what do you mean? What are you saying? I'll tell you, I'll tell you in Geek Buddies after dark. <laughs> yeah, we'll go live at midnight again for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, good stuff overall. And, and uh, Gunn came out and said that uh, they're going to start production. Like they are, they are on track. They are not going to miss their date that they had said before for Superman Legacy. So, Legacy. So, I hope that isn't a rush to finish. I think it's, I hope it's more a matter of like, we have confidence that we can hit that date. We're going to take it as it comes and hopefully uh, go forward with that. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget, and I hate to put a turd in the punch bowl right now, but we haven't ratified that SAG contract yet. So we don't know if all this news is great and then we're going to come to a screeching halt. So all of this is tempered by still waiting to see what the vote is. Because from what I understand at the recent meeting, it was quite contentious. There was a lot of drama and controversy around the AI stuff. And even today, there were some uh, reports that possibly SAG might not, the membership might not ratify this agreement. If they don't, it's going to cause a nuclear bomb explosion in the city. And I don't know what's going to, figuratively, of course, and I don't know what's going to happen after that. But for right now, let's be happy that this cast is coming well, together. I was. <laughs> Well, yeah. you know, I've got to be honest with you. I, I just, I just wanted some punch. There's a piece of poop in there. <laughs> Scoop it on out. Let's hit some of these streamlabs and super chats. Francisco Lopez says, "Hey guys, just wondering if there's a chance you guys will do a spoiler review for Invincible mid-season finale." I, I mean, I'd be up for it. I'm, I've been enjoying this season, gentlemen. Would you want to do that? I haven't even started it yet. Oh, okay. We're not there I, yet, right? I will talk Invincible anytime you want to. I. Okay. I, I love the show. I've been loving this season. Yeah. Uh, I I had a conversation with Robert Kirkman about season three that makes me very very excited. Like I am, this this show is doing it for me. So I would be more than happy to hop on. Maybe just me and Johnny, since someone's behind a little bit, um, and talk Invincible. I think we should do yeah. it. I've been loving it, dude. I I started the first. I was like, ah, let's see if it's okay. And then woof, I ripped through three episodes, man. It is so damn good i think i think the animation studios are using maybe not quite as strong this year i do think some mm. of the animation isn't quite on par with the animation in season one and the animation in the mm. adam eve special uh but that happens sometimes like you know like sometimes you have like your a your a your a team animation studios your b team animation studios with 2d sometimes you like have a rotation of several studios you use but i was right. talking to some friends about it the animation a couple times i'm like yeah it's a little rougher than i like but the story vocal performances mm. everything a plus yeah, yeah, been enjoying the story. Shannon, I can't, you should start, brother. Trust me, you're going to love it. Uh, Francisco Lopez says, Who will you cast as Apollo and the Midnighter from The Authority? I'll pick Matt Bomber as Apollo and Luke Evans as Midnighter. Oh, that is lovely. Are they too old to play these characters? Look, if Nathan Fillion mm. is in the film, no one is too old to be in the film. So I, I would say there's a possibility here. I mean, Bomber was really good in Maestro for the limited amount of time that he had on the screen. I love that guy's got the 
most beautiful face, man. I can't deny that. Like he's just I mean, a good looking fucking guy, man. You, you know? really, you really, Francisco, you really nailed that casting. Not going to lie yeah. to you. Um, I, like yeah. um, I think those would both be great choices. I, I don't know. I I'd have to think about it. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps that they, if if you wanted to go younger, you could go unknown. You could go like some you know mm-hmm. some unknown queer actors that we don't really know. But like Apollo and Midnighter, I, that it's going to be a really interesting thing regardless whether they show up in Superman Legacy or like or everybody saves yeah. them for the Authority movie. Like the gay Superman and Batman of like that's basically what Authority like that's what Apollo and Midnighter are in the yeah. universe with the actual Superman and Batman. Uh, how the world is going to react to all of that is going to be fascinating. Yeah, Shane, what are your thoughts on this? Like, do you do you like this uh, casting? Do you have other people in mind, maybe in your mind for this one? Well, I mean, I don't know the authority that well. Okay, what I, okay. what I have been told with, with about Apollo and Midnighter. I mean, Luke Evans is one of those performers who who like Nicholas Holt. Like, he's he's been around a lot yeah. of big properties. He's been in some very big movies, but he's never been. He's never been in a big movie where he's been the guy. Right. Like right. had uh what was it, Dracula Year Zero? Like had that mm-hmm. one done a little bit better, um, may- maybe he would have been. But I mean Luke Evans is a terrific actor, and the yeah. same with Matt Balmer. So, you know, if if uh, you all think that these are good choices, I would uh I would agree with you. I liked him in the Hobbit films and I liked him in uh as Ga- wasn't he Gaston in The Beauty and the Beast? He, he was, was Gaston, he was. Yeah. yeah. And I liked him in those films. I like Luke Evans, he's a good actor. Sometimes getting confused with Dominic West, would, but I like him as an actor. And he would look hot in all that midnighter leather. <laughs> and don't you think, let me ask you something, Mike. And this came to me as you were talking about it. Is it about leather? This is some champ. Uh, as, as our resident uh, gay nerd here, do you feel like WB will have no problem portraying a gay superhero, gay relationships, gay things, versus like Marvel, which seems to kind of touch on it, but... Because there's rumors that apparently, as you guessed, or as you were very well, uh, um, uh, you perceptive, that Valkyrie and Captain Marvel had had a relationship in the past that was apparently in the original script for Naya Costa's The Marvel. So, and they cut that out. So, do you think that WB takes more chances and would absolutely have no problem showing this uh, and 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 going farther with it than uh, Marvel has? Look, I, you can't do the authority without going for it in a bigger way. Like, like all the things that Marvel has done with Eternals, with like yeah. a little bit here, a little bit there, like you can't do Apollo and Midnighter without them being like fully in love, mm. full PDA, full like that's a couple. Okay. Like that is basically what part of their characterization is. So it really does feel, and Leek, even to your point, John, about the casting in Superman Legacy and just like the multicultural casting and you look at Suicide Squad yeah. and what James Gunn has done, like that, I think this is something that's important to James Gunn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, so I think we are going to see a lot of it. Now, most of us have seen the Marvels or if not, you've probably read about the, the post-credit mm-hmm. sequences and everything that happened. Like we're getting closer and closer to Young Avengers and as we've been talking about, I don't know how you do the Young Avengers without Hulkling and Wiccan. So maybe yeah. by the time uh, we, we get to the authority and everything with DC, Marvel has caught up. But, uh, you know, with the, with the queer characters that are out there, I think, look, we talk a lot about this. We talked about the South Park Pander episode. Yeah. 
every time anything comes up, we're going to talk about the Silver Surfer stuff. I saw 95,000 people post Eric Cartman from the Pandaverse <laughs> as their GIF responding to it. Um, so there's, there's always that discussion of is it pandering or is it not? But when you take characters from the comics, like Apollo and Midnighter, like Wicked and Hulkling, like characters who in the comic, like uh, Harley and Ivy, characters yeah. who have a history of they're a couple, and you put that on screen – you can't get accused of pandering because you're actually being true to what was in the comics. So well, I think that's yeah. kind of what's going to be interesting about there's sometimes that the studios mm. seem to try and want to do it, but someone wanted to pull it back and it gets very frustrating, but we're getting on the brink of a lot of characters that you're like, yeah, you can't half ass it. You've got to go all the way. Yeah. Shannon, because like, you know, it's, it's one thing to do it in an animated series like Harley Quinn or even in Peacemaker. Those are, you know, that's a streaming show. That's an animated show on their streaming service. This is a mainstream studio film. And showing this is taking the chance to just be matter of fact about it. Do you anticipate DC and Warner Brothers will do that without pulling punches? I mean, I kind of do because mm. you look at when the MCU started. That was in 2008. Yeah. And the world has has changed. I mean, it, th things have progressed at, at uh, you know, quite a bit in the last 15 years. Yeah. And again, I, I would have to think, again, not knowing a ton about the property, but if as James Gunn is laying out his, his you know, a blueprint for this universe mm -hmm. and that this team that I would say most of the non-comics going public doesn't really know about right. they're being introduced alongside some 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 of you know dc's big players that they're going to play an important role and that he would have explained exactly like this is who this is who this team is this is their this is why they're important for this grand story that i want to tell like i wouldn't yeah. think that if they were unsure or if they were like eh, maybe we don't want to go that far i don't think right. i don't think there would be a movie coming out about them Oh, that's fair. That's fair. That's actually a really great point you make there, Shannon, for sure. Um, all right, let's uh, well, let's hit one more of these streamlabs, and then we'll get into the rest of our, and we'll take a break and get into the rest of our stuff. Uh, uh, Mick says, "Hi, buddies. Don't you think Captain Marvel should have been able to handle Darben pretty easily? She nearly beat Thanos, and shouldn't Darben's power have been the same as as Ms. Marvel's power, just with a big hammer?" Happy Thanksgiving from England. Have a good one. Um, should have read that in a British accent, but I didn't want to offend anybody. Uh, I don't know. At this point, do we really need to speculate about whether she should have done this or should have done that? Gentlemen, do you well, have any thoughts on this? He's not wrong. No, true. She beat she beat the shit out of Thanos. Like, mm. girl had a hammer. Like, come on. Right. I, I mean, I think, I mean, we talked to, like, I, and look, I think all three of us, we've discussed this when we did our Marvels review. Like, I'm not going to hate on that movie because mm -hmm. I think all three of us, Genuinely, we're like, uh, there's a lot to like in that movie, even though I think ultimately that movie didn't land. Like, it didn't right. work. But I think even when we talked about the action sequences, and I was saying I thought the action sequences were that, that opening action sequence was great, the mid yeah. ones were fine, and that last one kind of left me lacking. Captain Marvel, the way that they've um, personified her, but more specifically given her power set in the yeah. MCU, yeah. they've given they've, they've they just gave themselves the Superman problem. Like yeah. they made her so powerful that it's hard. And so you have to deal with it the same way that Superman does. Like you can't have Superman fight the strongest person in the galaxy. And then in the next movie, have him fight somebody with a hammer and have a really hard time and need the Justice League's help. Yeah. You have to have a villain that is smart enough to go, oh, Captain Marvel's the Annihilator. 
for me to be able to deal with her, I have to do X. And that requires you to sort of put a little bit more work into your villain's plan than they did with Darben in the third act, I think. Fair point. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts on this real quick. Anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think this is another one of the reasons they introduced the the uh, not the power swapping, but them switching place Mm. Um, is that takes that takes a character who is really powerful and you are zapping them out of a different location. And that's also why they gave her the bangle. Like, all right, hammer plus bangle. This is a this is a thing. Um, But also, I think that's uh, one of the one of the weaknesses of the film. It was like, I I think, as Vogel already pretty well pointed out, um, there were some things that probably were not thought thought out as well as they probably should have been. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've said that we don't fault anybody who thought it was fun or is enjoying it. Absolutely. Like, go and enjoy it. If it works for you, it works for you. Never go, you're never going to see us trying to harsh your mellow, but we are going to have our opinions on it. And I think Michael said it best. The three of us are coming from a place of there was potential for so much more here, and we were hoping to see more of that. And who knows down the road, as this controversy keeps building around Naya, that uh, we'll find out what really happened behind the scenes with all of this. We shall see. Uh, but let's take a quick break here, and then we'll jump into the Dave Filoni news, which is a really big deal here uh, on the other side of this break right after this. Hello, Geek Buddies fans. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Marquee TV. Their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service. They're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture. That's right, Johnny. I've explored Marquee TV, and I've been amazed by their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. It is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching the Royal Shakespeare Company's production of The Tempest, and I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench. Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse. Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertip. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you are. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right. Three months for only 99 cents with the code BUDDIES, B-U-D-D-I-E-S. Simply visit Marquee.tv and use the promo code BUDDIES to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. Get three months for just 99 cents. Visit Marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now. Use code BUDDIES. Explore the extensive library of performances on Marquee TV today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at Marquee TV on social media. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. 
And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. run out of air i felt like you were struggling <laughs> I, I i i did not i did not exercise proper breath control no it's been a long day no, okay? no i'm sure you were working today i apologize <laughs> uh, but let's let's move on it's big news here for dave filoni uh day it is a, it was announced that he will now be the chief creative officer uh and this was announced in a vanity fair interview uh, he was already the executive producer of all the live action Star Wars show on Disney Plus, and and he's been tapped to direct a film, of course, that we know. Uh, and uh, he said in the past, in a lot of projects, I will be brought into it. I would see it after it had already developed uh, a good ways. In this new role, it's opened up to basically everything that's going on. When we're planning the future of what we're doing now, I'm involved at the inception phase. I'm not telling people what to do, but I do feel I'm trying to help them tell the best story that they want to tell. I need to be a help across the galaxy here, like a part of a Jedi Council almost. Michael, I could hear a collective cheer come from the Star Wars fans as Dave Filoni has been moved even further up the chain here. And by the way, Kathleen Kennedy teased this a few months ago, that she had been eyeing Filoni for quite some time and wanted him to go through the process. Feige kind of echoed that as well that they wanted Dave to go through the process to learn how to be in charge of all this stuff. So now that he's gone into this and the comments that he just made here, does this give you a little more confidence in Star Wars going forward? Or does the fact that Ahsoka didn't 100% hit the mark give you a little a bit of a cautious optimism over Filoni taking over here? It's interesting because I think mm. had this news come out a year ago, the internet would have been pretty unanimous in their celebration. 100%. And, and today, when the news came out, looking at like people's responses and a lot of the text messages that I got and the discussions that I was having, yeah. it was a little bit more mixed. It was a little bit yeah. more mixed. It was, it was maybe, I don't know, Mando season one and two was great. Season three, Book of Boba Fett, did Ahsoka work. I liked parts of it. I didn't like other parts of it. Mm. I feel like it was a little not inside baseball. Like There's been a lot of discussion around it. Here's what I'll say. I don't think David. Fil I don't think Dave Filoni. David. I don't think David Filoni. I think Dave. I don't think Dave Filoni is um, a <laughs> proper Christian name. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that Dave Filoni is a perfect storyteller. Yeah. I think he tends to sometimes like to be a little bit more mysterious than he needs to be, and sometimes he doesn't have his characters just say what's going on. Mm. When you read that Vanity Fair article that Roka was just quoting from, yeah. he and Rosario and everybody are talking really explicitly about Ahsoka really dealing with her fears of becoming Darth Vader, and this is the person who trained her, this was her master, he basically mm. became this villain, and she had all of these issues, and I think... We got some of that in Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah. And if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, you kind of understood what was happening. But for a lot of people, they were like, so what was that all about? 
and they probably could have used some more information. So all of that being said, yeah. here's what I'll say about Dave Filoni from a more big picture standpoint. Aside from George Lucas, Dave Filoni has given us more that we love about Star Wars than mm. what we don't. Mm. Um, from a big picture standpoint. Right. Now, in the weeds, the way he writes, the way he does dialogue, the way he parses out information, you, we can all argue that all day long and we'll continue to argue that all day long for the foreseeable future because he's the CCO. But Ahsoka Tano, giving the clones personalities, Rex, yeah. the Rebels crew, filling in those gaps, like really kind of turning the Jedi Council into something that's really, really interesting in Clone Wars. Like everything that he did, and even what he and Favreau did with mm -hmm. Mando and Din Djarin and Grogu, and a lot of that is still Filoni because everything that happens with Mandalore and the Mandalorians mm -hmm. and Bo-Katan and everything is just a continuation of what was happening in Clone Wars. Right. So everything that we that a lot of us all really like, he did, and even stuff like the Mortis arc and some of the and the World mm -hmm. Between Worlds and some of the weirder stuff that he's done in Star Wars animation that he's brought into the live action and little bit in little ways it, it expands the universe mm. it it tells us new stories that we all get excited about and what star wars needs now more than anything else is someone who's going to come in and not be afraid to tell us new stories mm. and not just relitigate the empire and relitigate the first order and tell us 95 stories that happened between these five years and these four years and these three years like we got to move the fuck forward yeah and i think feloni um, given that he, you know, were, has worked so closely with Lucas and really feels like he understands what Lucas did, uh, I think he's probably the best choice that we've got right now to take us forward. I don't think it's going to be perfect. I don't think we're all going to agree on every single thing he did and he's going to be the second coming of everything. But guess what? Yeah. Half of us have a lot of issues with what George Lucas did in the prequels. So he wasn't perfect True. either. But I do think that what Filoni's yeah. going to do is going to take us further into new stories. Okay. Shannon, he said also, to truly help filmmakers, it was really important for me to experience it firsthand. I can also lend a perspective on the challenges that telling these stories will present. I feel more capable of actually being helpful outside of just saying, well, Jedi are like this and the Sith are like this. So this is an interesting approach. He said, like, I had to go through this boot camp in essence in order to come out the other side so that these filmmakers that are coming in or these creators that are coming in won't be looking at me as like, well, you've never done it. Who are you to give me information or give me advice? Why should I listen to you? So it seems to me like he's got the right perspective on all of this. But as Michael said, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to translate over here and be the overwhelming resounding success as some people are hoping it'll be, but other people are cautiously, cautiously optimistic about it being. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think, and, and again, not to bring up the MCU again, but one yeah. of the reasons the MCU, the sort of, you know, stratospheric rise that it had was because people weren't expecting that. Mm, <laughs> like, right. it, was, it was literally them taking characters that they had not sold off the rights to right. and being like, hey, we can actually make the Avengers out of this. Um, with Star Wars, the expectations are a little higher. Mm. In terms of who you could have picked to fulfill this role, I can't think of anyone else other than Dave Filoni. And again, as Vogel already said, and as you already said, Johnny, is is he the perfect choice? No, because there is no perfect choice. Right. Um, and also, we don't really know what that relationship between Filoni and Kathleen Kennedy is going to be like. I mean, Kathleen Kennedy is still, she is the boss over there. Yes. She ultimately has 
has final say. Um, I mean, I do agree that this announcement had been made six months ago. Like it, the, the praise would have been universal. Mm. Um, You know, I, I, when you look at, you know, I I think we all kind of give Mando season three a pass just because the, the rumors that we had heard was Mm. that, you know, Grogu and Din Djarin weren't going to be in, book of boba fett that that was a mandate that came down from upstairs that there were there were some creative sacrifices that had to be made and they kind of did the best that they could with what they had um with uh ahsoka even though i don't feel like everything landed this was also i think his first time kind of going solo yeah with a live action project and he probably learned a lot i mean he learned how to direct live action on mandalorian season one uh with uh, uh ahsoka he learned how to kind of run the whole show so there are going to be mistakes that are made. Yeah. Um, hopefully going forward, um, he he is learning from those mistakes. I mean, I'll be interested to see, again, him being sort of like the chief creative um, officer over there, right. as well as him helping out on the TV side, as well as him developing his feature film. I mean, granted, this is what James Gunn is doing as well, yeah. um, but it'll be interesting to see the amount of responsibility that is being kind of, you know, hoisted upon his shoulders. Uh, we'll get to see if Dave Filoni ultimately is the ultimate successor of George Lucas. Yeah, Michael, you've you know you show you've been a showrunner on a number of series here, and you know sometimes, and it's not quite the chief content creator officer, but still you're in charge of a certain section of of this content, and sometimes you got to be the bad guy. Just, I mean, James Gunn. I think I have no problem believing James can be the bad guy. Do you think? Baloney has it within him to draw a hard line to kind of have these squabbles with these creators to make oh, yeah. changes to oh, yeah. make it work. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, I, I'm more worried about the opposite. Oh, like I and, and go I think I think Filoni has the same thing that we worry about with James Gunn, which is, I mean, Filoni said all the right things in the article. He yeah, said, yeah. you know, I'm not going to tell people what to do. I'm going to let them do. But I, are you not? Like, aren't you going to be like, this is where Star Wars is going? Like, you can't do this. No, no, the Jedi would never do this. The Sith he, won't do this. Like, you think I mean, he's like, be the well actually guy. Is that what you think he's going to? I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know him personally, but I don't right. know how you can tell as much of the story as he's told and not have a little bit of that. Mm. Um, so I, I, I do wonder what I, I, and I, and look, I don't think that I'm saying anything specifically bad about Filoni. It's the same issue right. that James Gunn has. It's the, you are a creator and a storyteller. Right. Kevin Feige, and we've talked about this a thousand times, Kevin Feige was never a show. Like, he was always an executive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's an executive with an amazing sense of the story that he wanted to tell and the world he wanted to build, but he went to other people to tell the stories. Right. James Gunn was one of those storytellers in the MCU who now is kind of put into that Kevin Feige role. Dave Filoni was a storyteller in the Star Wars universe who's kind of been put into that Kevin Feige type role. So I think that's a hard transition because you've got to let go of some of your own ego yeah. and some of your own preferences when you sit down with an up and coming young director of color, female director, queer director, who's going to tell their story. And they're like, this is where I want to take star Wars. And you go, Oh, that's not the star Wars story. I would tell. Right. You've got to be able to divorce yourself from that and say, okay, 
this is not the Star Wars story that I would tell, but I'm really excited that you're telling the Star Wars story. Let me give you some parameters for given where we're going, yeah. but I want you to go tell this. And like, and and, and whether he's going to be able to do that is what what remains to be seen. Yeah, this is like Shannon. This is almost like watching players become the general managers of the team. Like it's just an interesting <laughs> thing to watch this progression, to see this because James Gunn, you know, from director to in charge of the entire universe. That's a massive leap. And now with Filoni from, you know, showrunner for an animated series to showrunner to a live action series and co-showrunner with another, with John Favreau for these other series, boom, now you're in charge of everything. Uh, you're not the president because Kathleen Kennedy retains that uh, uh, status and Carrie Beck is still the head of development, but you're possibly the, the, uh, the where the buck stops in terms of content creation here. And this is also, and I wonder, and this is, this is the slight cynical part of me that's like, is Kathleen Kennedy doing this to kind of appease the fans? She feels he's ready, but also like take a little bit of the heat off of her. Because if stuff doesn't work now, you can go, well, Dave wanted to do that. Dave is the one in charge of this stuff. And so maybe this takes a little bit of heat off Kathleen, which I do think, I think she takes some deserved heat, but I think she also takes way too much heat for the success financially that she has had with this Star Wars franchise. I wonder if this is a little bit about appeasing the fans and also giving a buffer between the fans and her. I mean, I don't, I don't think she's putting him up as like a human shield (laughs) (laughs) between, between her, between her and angry fans. I mean, I think at, you know, where she is, where she is in her career in that position, um, is she aware of, you know, criticism she gets from people on the internet? Of course, but you know what? It doesn't appear like she's going anywhere. Um, She cares. Yeah. 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 I mean, ultimately, she is still the one making the decisions. I mean, and, you know, the difference with the gun and saffron situation, at least as it's been presented to us, is it the way it it seems to me is that gun and saffron, that seems to be a partnership. Um, Filoni Mm. is still somebody's employee right. <laughs> I mean, granted he is i mean i mean i guess you can say saffron and gun or you know zaslav's employees but ultimately they are the top they are the top of that pyramid mm-hmm. um whereas feloni he still does answer to kathleen kennedy and ultimately if, if she's make if he wants to do something that she's kind of like ah, i'm not so sure um you know we'll see if she we'll see if she trusts him but i do think right announcing this to the fans to say that hey this is our chief creative officer i think that is a little bit of a response to the sequel trilogy and the criticisms mm. it got in that there wasn't that one person kind of saying this we're doing this we're doing well, this yeah this is a bit i mean look Kath, and this is kathleen kennedy has said this for years and this mm. has been the philosophy because this is the philosophy of george lucas George Lucas always felt like a writer director, like an auteur needed to be at the helm of a Star Wars movie. And he was that writer director for six of the nine movies. And what happened with those other movies was it was J.J. Abrams. It was Ryan Johnson. Then it was J.J. It was going to be Colin Trevorrow. Then it was J.J. But like, but like they, I think this is a course correction for the better. Now, it mm. still might not work out and we still might all get frustrated and Star Wars fans being Star Wars fans, we're probably all going to fight about it for the next 20 years. But True. I think that giving Dave Filoni the chief creative office to roll in effect says, look, maybe we're going to still bring in writer directors for the movies that are going to mm-hmm. drive the ship, but we're going to avoid 
having the problem that we had on the sequel trilogies, which is J.J. Abrams went this way, then Ryan yeah, Johnson yeah. said, cool, I'm going to go this way, and then J.J. Right. Abrams said, oh, fuck you, I'm going back this way, and we were all like, what the fuck are you doing? Having a CCO avoid, hopefully avoids that, where you go, okay, look, you can do your vision. You can, hey, Taika, hey, Ryan, hey... Kugler, hey, DaCosta, hey, whoever, you can come in and do your vision, but this is where the bigger Star Wars story is going. And that's really what they need. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mini Feige, not in terms of stature, but in terms of positioning, for sure. That could be interesting uh, to see. Um, well, let's hit some of these Streamlabs Super Chats about this. Uh, I'm Too Fly Cam says, uh, the emotional beats in Ahsoka were almost unwatchable. We'll only need someone to harness his storytelling and punch up his scripts. I pray he can tell a story that doesn't rely on characters that Lucas created. So that's interesting. Well, Ahsoka was not anyone that George Lucas created. So nor is Sabine. Well, nor Sabine, right? Yeah. Nor is Ezra, right? The whole Rebel. Nor is Thrawn. Is... I mean, right. Thrawn is Thrawn is uh, Timothy Zahn, but right. uh, not Lucas. There were new, characters, Rex, in, nor new is characters Chopper, in Clone Wars. Right. Nor is Hera. Right. So he's done it. Um, so do you agree with this emotional beat situation? I, I wouldn't say unwatchable, but I think frustrating. Mm. I mean, okay. I, you know, we, I mean, we talked, you can go back and watch our Ahsoka spoiler videos and see, but yeah. like, I, I think that, and look, y'all in chat can yell at me because you yell at me every time I say this, but there is some, sometimes in, when you're doing a big four quadrant movie, you yeah. need, you need Robert Downey Jr. in Endgame to look at Pepper Potts and say, I lost the kid when he's talking right. about Peter Parker. Right. Like he's got to say the line. We understand yeah. that he lost Peter Parker at the end of Infinity War and we can see him be upset about it and fold right. his arms and be quiet about it. But sometimes you just need Tony Stark to say, I got to do this. I lost the kid. And I think yeah. that in Ahsoka, we never got her going, what if I'm Vader? What if I do that? What if I turn mm -hmm. Sabine into that? Like, we, we never got that moment. We talked around it a lot, but we never got it. And sometimes, and I'll, all y'all can say, oh, we don't need it spelled out for us. Everything needs to be spelled out for people these days. But yeah, sometimes for your bigger audience, you got to spell it out a little bit more. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this, Shannon? Uh, emotional issues uh, with uh, Filoni? I mean, again, I wouldn't call them unwatchable, but I would, mm -hmm. but I would call them... Um, surprising like like it's right there why don't you just do it it's right there why can someone not hug ezra <laughs> um, and it's and it's things i feel like in the rebels animated series that we did see yeah. so it was kind of confusing why they didn't kind of make the transition to live action and as a as to what vogel was saying about sometimes you do want it spelled out um, one that not only is that for the larger audience who may not have seen everything that came before, but also that sometimes it's just a really good storytelling yeah. moment when mm. you have someone say what they are feeling. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And you always got to walk that line. Cause yes, people are always going to say, you don't need it spoon fed to you, but you've got to figure yeah. out cause nothing is an absolute, honestly, in filmmaking, nothing or TV series making nothing. And so you have, it's about the construct and the context. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? Yeah, but you yeah. know, like I mean, we were just talking about Invincible. Like, there's something about Cecil, yes, saying straight up to Mark, "Hey, Mark, you're not your dad." Yeah, like sometimes you just the and to Shannon's point, sometimes you just do it, and it's a great moment. And I just yeah. think that for whatever reason, Filoni tends to want to, or in Ahsoka at least, it just felt like every time you got right up to the moment where somebody was going to do a thing, you sort of just went, 
<laughs> you're like, okay, well, we didn't do it. Yeah. Okay. And and that's and it's kind of weighing on the actors because they've got to play that level in their performance, but not say it, which is right, which can be frustrating for an actor, I would imagine. Um, haunted underscore autumn says this is for Shannon's humming. Oh, there you go. God damn it. All of you guys <laughs> encouraging <laughs> him <laughs> and encouraging <laughs> him. <laughs> Pinky Doss says, John, be honest. You know the Dave Filoni isn't the right choice to lead Star Wars into the future. We need more nuanced leadership. Oh, no, I disagree. I actually think he's the right choice for now. I don't see anybody out there who can step into the void right now and be a really essential part of Star Wars and kind of protect Star Wars and put some thoughts out there in, and give his advice to some of these filmmakers and some of these creators um and understand that and so yeah he's gonna have to learn on the job for sure as michael was pointing out like knowing when to contribute when not to contribute let them go give them support but also rein them in he's gonna have to learn that there's nothing that can teach you that until you get in the job for sure but i like him there's no one else out there no one gilroy doesn't want the job favreau's not gonna fucking do it he's the right choice for now we'll see five ten years from now if he's the right choice in the end yeah and like, like, just because I see, I saw people bringing up Gilroy in the chat as mm. well. Like, Gilroy, look, Andor is probably by a significant margin the best Star Wars show that we've gotten. Right, but um, but that doesn't mean that Gilroy would be a great chief creative officer. If he like, be- that's two very oh. different things. Like, yeah. like everything that Gilroy did that made Andor great was like, I'm going to focus on this specific part yeah. of the Star Wars universe. And I'm not going to deal with the rest of this. Yeah. Filoni, between Clone Wars and Rebels and Bad Batch and Mando and Ahsoka, has taken all of the Star Wars yeah. universe and said, and and he has pushed it all forward. Even, even yeah. within the fact that he's telling it between stories and Clone Wars takes place between episode two and three and blah, 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 blah. Like, he has created more stories and given us more characters between, like I said, Ahsoka and Rex and what they did with Asajj Ventress and like really developing Dooku. And like, you can just go down the list and go, he knows how to move these characters forward. Now, once we get past Rise of Skywalker, will he do it? And does he have ideas? That's what we'll see, but that's what needs to happen next. Jen, anything you want to say on this one? Or are you good? Well, not on that, but I just, in, in the chat, Haunted, Haunted Autumn just also said that this is putting him in the mood to play the pod racing video game for the Nintendo 64. And <laughs> Haunted Autumn, absolutely. That was a great game. How many, I wasn't that that whole, Shannon, were, oh, you were gone. You were in like Japan or whatever. But John, you came over like every day and we played that pod racing video game. And that called, like I, That pod racing game, mm. aside from Mario Kart, maybe the best racing game of all time. Yeah. You ruined it when you made it strip pod racing. I wasn't a fan of that, but yeah. Shane said, Luna, Shane, Luna, Luna Midnight said, always enjoy a new episode of the Geek Buddies. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Oh, happy, happy Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving to you. Very nice of you. I am True Fly Cam says, I have to agree with Mickey. This feels like a death to serious level Star Wars material. No more masterpieces like Andor, more silly, goofing, goofy jargon. I'm super nervous for Star Wars. I, I, I don't feel this way. I, I think Filoni saw that Andor worked and was super successful for a certain section of the Star Wars audience. He has never said one negative word about Andor. So I think he's going to have to learn that that kind of section of the Star Wars audience needs to be satisfied with certain content. But his main area of focus is a mixture of that and the stuff we saw from George Lucas at the beginning of Star Wars. So I I think he's going to let both exist. I also feel just, and I will, as an animation guy, mm. I do feel like this comment um, undercuts 
a lot of the moments that have happened in Star Wars animation right, in the past point. 15, 20 years. I yeah. mean, uh, there's been some pretty amazing moments that have happened in those animated moments that, that I think rival anything that's happened in live action Star Wars. And I mm -hmm. think that, granted, Dave Filoni came up in animation. Maybe live action is a little new to him, but I, I, I think let's wait and see where he goes. Okay. Shannon, anything you want to say on that? Yeah, I think I think Dave Filoni, and again, I could be wrong. Maybe Dave Filoni hates Sandor, uh, but <laughs> but my guess is he sees the value in Star Wars not being all one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that you can have your Andors, you can have your Star Wars visions. That Star Wars is a big enough galaxy to have different creators take a narrative narrative swing at it. It won't survive if it isn't. It won't. It just won't. It won't. You have to have different takes mm -hmm. on this stuff because people consume content now from multiple points of views in a way they never ways they never did before. So you've got to satisfy those people. Um, let's see, let's hit a few more of these streamlabs and then we'll take a break. John Garcia says, Michael, Michael, do you remember an Australian man wearing a GoPro on his chest asking you if you saw a guy named Trace? I just saw you cameo in a Pete Z video on YouTube. The video's from a year ago, so you might not remember it but I recognized you right away. Oh, oh. What? <laughs> oh. Wait. Woo. What? Did I look good? What was I wearing? <laughs> I think that's the imperative question. I don't. Do you remember this Australian man? No, I'm trying wearing to think a of a GoPro on his chest. <laughs> Where would I have been? Was Australia, I just when I was in New Zealand? I don't know. Okay. Oh, 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 you were in New Zealand. Right, right, right. S John second Gar question. How how many people approach you with GoPros on their chest, Mikey? More than you would think. More than you would think. Oh, my God. By the way, shout out to GoPro. Every time I go into Costco, it's a new version of the GoPro. How Do they just do it every six months? What the fuck? If uh, when I moved here, it was GoPro 8. It is now GoPro like 25. Like, I just don't get it. How, what more can you do on this thing? Apparently, um, you right, can anyway. videotape me with a GoPro on your chest. Uh, <laughs> in a club, yeah. Huh. Huh. Okay. John Garcia, send the, you DM me the video, John Garcia. And if we can get it by the end of the show, I will, uh, and, I, and I'll take a look at it first before we, we, we'll put it up and see what Michael's reaction Nah, nah, just, just, just hit play. <laughs> <laughs> send a time code. Send a time code. I'm not hunting for it. Uh, Jim, Jim fans says, just want to say I'm thankful for the Geek Buddies, particularly you, John. Oh, that's nice. Been watching yeah. you for over eight years, and you've provided such entertainment through times of depression, hopelessness, and just being lost. What you do matters, and I wanted you to hear it. Ah, fuck. fuck off. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, that, that, I, is, that, is, that is endearment when John tells you to fuck off. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you this. You all have been amazing to me and through my depressions at times. And I have had tough times over the last few years. Starting a YouTube channel is scary. And can I pay my bills? Like all that stuff. And the fact that the audience has stayed with me and we've been growing thanks to great shows like this and great co-hosts like Mike and Shannon. Uh, you know, it's, it's a joy. So thank you for letting me do that, Jim. Very kind of you, man. Um, I am two fly cam says, Hey buddies, love the show. I hope you guys and everyone here has a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Also, Filoni makes me so nervous for star Wars. Does this mean we won't have any more and or series level star Wars greatness, more goofy animated stuff? Oh boy. I think we addressed the and or stuff. Do you guys want to touch on the goofy animated stuff? Again, Maybe I think not. that 
a chief creative officer is not supposed to say everything has to be my style of storytelling. Mm. A chief creative officer is going to, if it's Dave Filoni, probably choose the projects that they want to be more tied to and the parts of the story they want to tell, but it's probably going to give other parts of the story. If you want to come in and be like, I want to tell this super serious political drama taking place in the new, new Republic or whatever happens after Rise of Skywalker. And Dave Filoni's like, cool, I think you're the person to do that. Go with it. Like a chief creative officer also makes decisions to bring on the right people to tell the stories that they wouldn't tell. Right. Right. Yeah. Like uh, someone pointing out here, Brandon, he, I love Star Wars, Young Jedi Adventures. Yeah. You know, sometimes I will watch. I've just put them on because they're playing during the middle of the day. And I was like, eh, it cost me nothing to watch a 12 minute show. What do you think, Shan? Do you think the the um, this is going to be an issue for Filoni, the goofy animated no. Star Wars? No, 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 I don't. Because even even the original trilogy, they have their they have their comedy. Like they do yeah. have their kind of sillier, their, their sillier moments. Right. And, if you know, when you look at what. Filoni did with with the Clone Wars with Rebels. Do yeah. they have those moments? Yeah, but it's not like it, it's not like Clone Wars and Rebels are a sitcom. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. Star Wars has always had a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I mean, is there a chance that maybe they will try like a Star Wars comedy? Sure, that's mm. that, there's a possibility there. Uh, mm. Do I think that is going to be the overriding feeling of him taking over? No. Okay, fair point. Tex Parka says, love listening to your shows, Geek Buddies. You all keep up the great work. Have you gotten a chance to watch The Killer on Netflix? Thoughts? Um, I haven't started it yet. I just finished Lessons in Chemistry, and The Killer is next on my list. Nice. Shannon, have you seen The Killer? I have not. It's one of those things that I'm like, I need to find the time to sit down and watch it, because right now I'm watching uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Oh, yeah. Lawman Bass Reeves, and also my mine and my wife's new favorite half hour, Colin from Accounts. Thanks, Colin to from Accounts. Roca. I told you, yeah, it's so it's so funny. My, Mike, you've got to get into Colin from Accounts. It is right, so so right. good. It's on Paramount Plus. Um, yeah, I'm about to catch up on Monarch probably tomorrow. I saw the killer already, but I want to see it again. It is excellent. It is fantastic. Uh, and uh, Shannon, you do have to find the time. But, you know, make sure it's clear because it's a two hour and like 15 minute movie. And it is a revenge film that takes its time. So you're going to have to. But it's incredibly well directed. And I thought Fassbender's best he's done. He's, he's done in years. Um, let's see. Alan Smithy. What's up, Smithy? He says, happy Geeks giving geek buds. Hope your holiday season adds at least 10 pounds to your asses, which you can work, work off at the gym post turkey time. What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Give me that excellent stuffing and some gravy as well. That's mine. Giving thanks. Gentlemen, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Mm-hmm. Mine is a really, really well-made uh, stuffing. Uh, I, I, as I've gotten older in life, I try not to indulge in, in carbohydrates as much. Uh, but but Thanksgiving is the is the time of year that I give myself permission to dive head first into some stuffing. I've, I had some stuffing with a little diced jalapeno in it one time. I'm like, man, that is that is good. I love creative stuffing. Well, the mutton was lean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mike, your thought, your favorite Thanksgiving food. 
I mean, it doesn't need to be good stuffing. Just stuffing. Give me some stovetop right out of the right out of the box. I don't give a shit. I will eat. I will eat it all day long. My favorite thing I got. I was I was actually at the grocery store today, and I was buying some groceries, and I was buying the stuff for what I'm going to be making for Thanksgiving on Thursday. And I realized I was I bought like a tomato, and I bought some mustard, and I bought some sourdough bread. And I was, the thing that I love the most about Thanksgiving weekend, more than the food at Thanksgiving, is on Friday and Saturday when I make myself a Thanksgiving leftover sandwich, where I take <laughs> the leftover turkey, ham, tomato, lettuce, I'll put some stuffing, I'll throw some mashed potatoes in there. Like I will take everything that was on the table and put it on one sandwich between two like lightly toasted pieces of sourdough bread. And I look like fucking Dagwood from the Blondie comics, if you remember those, and I will eat that every meal for the rest of the weekend that's what i'm that's what i'm most excited about do you put one soaked piece of bread in the middle and you call it the moist maker (laughs) no (laughs) 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 um oh for me it's the turkey leg always uh these boys know i fought for the turkey leg every year i love the turkey leg the juiciness of the meat on the turkey leg when the turkey is done right there's nothing like it. There's no chicken leg will rival a turkey leg. It is fantastic. But I agree with both of them. Stuffing, stuffing is the jam. Stuffing is the thing. Stuffing is the one. And dessert-wise, uh, pecan pie every single time. Yeah. If it's a well-done pecan pie, that is absolutely Now, perfect. I know on yeah. Thursday, our Thanksgiving, we're getting stuffing, but we're also getting mm. stuffing balls. That Hello. Amber's making her famous stuffing balls, which I'm also a very big fan of. That we get, we get the stuffing that was in the turkey, but then we also get the stuffing balls on their own that are just like little yeah. balls of just pure goodness. So I am, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Sweaty ball. Um, what is Josh making the sweet pie? Is sweet potato pie casserole? Is he making the sweet? Potato you mean pie? the apple souffle? Apple souffle? That's what I meant. I don't think he is actually. I think. What? Oh shit! I think maybe I was supposed to make it if he wanted it. Maybe I have to run back to the grocery store. You don't. You can't make that with a tomato and cheese and bread. I know that. So, <laughs> yeah, have to that apple food. souffle is literally like it is applesauce, sugar, marshmallows, and fucking Nilla wafers. And I don't know what else. And like you just throw that shit in the oven, and you it's it is just pure sugar, but it's delicious. It's cr- it's crack. Um, Jake the Nerd says, well, just pictured Fran Drescher sashaying her way up to the doors of the AMTPTP in the nanny's red dress with a suitcase full of nukes. Thanks, John. LOL. Well, ignore what I said. Mr. Dadfo says, here's my pitch. Superman should be discovered by Latino migrant farm workers. Picture his father telling him, Clark, you must live among them, but you, you can never be part of them. They will fear you. There's a great American story here. Hey. Uh, listen, that's a nice like red sun superman type approach i think that would be really interesting but there is no fucking way james gunn is doing that and we essentially had an immigrant superman in man of steel in my opinion and so mm. that that's a different <laughs> approach uh to it and so I, I i can't imagine they would ever do that gentlemen uh, what are your thoughts on that well, a lot of thoughts on that immigrant Superman story you thought you saw. Well, uh, no, don't <laughs> you know what? We were enjoying the turkey. Don't start. <laughs> um, should we move past this? Any thoughts or should we move past? I mean, I, I like you. Uh, like that's that sounds like a great Red Sun type uh, yeah. limited series. Could be interesting. El Sol Rojo. Lou says, uh, Woot, another live episode of the Geek Buddies. Thank you, guys. 
I have concerns about the new Superman movie. Director is okay. Too many characters building up around one character, Black Adam, but then the cast looks good, so it could turn out okay. So, Lou, it it seems like you're on both sides of the fence on this one. So, gentlemen, is there a concern here that too many characters are in this movie, even though we love all the casting so far? Are we having too many people and too many things being launched off this movie, which was some of the complaints complaints on Wakanda Forever? So, what do you think, John? Anybody? Yeah, I mean, there's two there's two ways to go. I mean, like, there's the yeah. Wakanda Forever version where you do feel like it's a little overstuffed. There's too many people. But yes. if everyone is there in the right amount, I remember, uh, and just from personal experience, like, the, if you go watch the very first episode of Spectacular Spider-Man yeah, uh, that, I, that I did with Greg Weissman um, back in the day, the very first episode of that oh. show has uh, Peter Parker, Gwen Stacy, oh. uh, Harry Osborn, Norman Osborn, uh, Hammerhead, Tombstone, Otto Octavius, Adrian wow. Toomes. Like it's just stacked. It's got e- the shocker is in it. Like it's got everybody, but it everybody was in it to show where they were at that first mm. at, at the very beginning. And then as episodes picked up, you like caught up with people again and you, okay, so then this is where this person was and this is why this person was there. So Greg Weissman has done that. He did the same thing with Young Justice. He's done that a yeah. lot, like where you'll like, you'll watch an episode early on and you'll go, fuck, like there's 95 people in this episode, but they're all there because yeah. they needed to be there for this giant event. Like, like, so, you know, there's a version of, there's absolutely a version of Superman Legacy where we come out and we're like, holy shit, that was too many fucking people and nobody yeah, yeah. got a chance to shine. But there's also a version where you go, oh, there was some giant cataclysmic event in the DC universe, which is why all these heroes showed up and they couldn't handle it. And then Superman came in, but in doing what he did kind of changed the paradigm. And now nobody knows what to do because it's Superman too dangerous. And you're like, oh, fuck, that made sense. So there it, it can work, but it's fair to be worried that it could go the other way. Shannon, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, because um, that's a concern people have when there's too many characters. Certainly that was the issue eventually with some of these superhero franchises, too many villains that even though, you know, no way home had everyone in there. It, it was, they were able to make it work. Um, do you anticipate James Gunn won't have a problem like this or might run into a problem? Like this? I mean, the only way, the only way we'll know is when we walk out of the theater. I mean, yeah. I, I think when you have a world that already exists, um, I don't think necessarily Metamorpho is going to have some huge arc in the movie, but I mean, these yeah. are people that exist in this world and Someone's we don't know. not a Rex Mason fan, apparently. I mean, okay. <laughs> Insert hero name here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think they are there to, to show that this world exists. And again, I like who, who knows how much any of these people are going to be in this movie. Yeah. Um, but also these are people that, potentially are going to be in the move in this universe going forward. So could it go sideways? Absolutely. There's also a way it comes out perfect. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think that's a possibility. All right. One more. And then we got to take a break here. Uh, Mr. Dadfa also said, I also would like to see an Asian Bruce Wayne. The Wayne family is known for their charity in Gotham city, but then a wave of anti-Asian sentiment emerges. I'm thankful for my buddies, the geek buddies. Woof. I mean, there's like a whole like That's different, a, like yeah. like there's a whole different vibe to the entire DC universe you go with with this, which I think is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it sounds like if you if you have these ideas, maybe you should jot them down. Yeah, 
stop giving them away. I mean, keep sending me support, <laughs> but stop giving away the ideas. Um, and one last one. I do want to do this one, and this will maybe keep us for five minutes, and we'll go to break. Lou, Lou also said, instead of young, young Avengers, and well, you know what? Let's hold this one. I, I will hold this one till we get to the Marvel section of the show. Let's take a quick break right now, and then we'll jump into uh, some more stuff here on the other side uh, and jump into our Marvel section here right after this. Now, look, I, I don't want to criticize you, but you do use the same theme every time. And I'm just saying there's other Marvel themes. Yeah. What, what did yeah. You, where did this one go? Uh, he was tired of hearing me hum the Avengers theme, so he left. <laughs> Did you think we were stopping the show? <laughs> Grandpappy needs his medicine. <laughs> oh, man, it's Thanksgiving. Give me conversation. I don't know about you guys, but I go home for Thanksgiving and I uh, bring several <laughs> bottles with me to make it through the weekend. What are we talking about? Oh, no. Light it up. Light it up. <laughs> Yeah. You go, you go home, and you go home, and you're sitting there minding your own business, and your parents go, "What do you think of trans athletes?" And you're like, "I'm gonna pour more wine." <laughs> no comprendo, no comprendo. I'm going out to the pool. Um, <laughs> let's get into this. Speaking of what can cause drama at Thanksgiving, um, the female there, there is a report here by my brother Jeff Snyder on the hot mic, and it is also shared by Daniel Richtman and a couple of other websites here that um apparently there is a plan afoot on the marvel side of things to bring in silver surfer as the herald of galactus but make her make it, uh, silver surfer a female now this is not out of the realm of possibility there has been a female silver surfer in um, the marvel comics it is frankie ray uh let me bring that up it is frankie ray there who has been a silver surfer in the comics. So the idea of silver surfer being a woman is not out of the realm of, of having been done in the Marvel universe before. I know Norrin Rad is who everyone knows. If you even know silver surfer, that's who everyone knows as silver surfer, but Frankie K could be an interesting way to go with this. And certainly with what we've been seeing with Sue storm, possibly being the main focus of the fantastic four movie, we saw what happened at the end of the Marvels that they're essentially creating this crew using starting off with two women coming together to maybe lead the recruiting of the of the uh, of the young Avengers. This is an interesting story, um, Michael. I go to you first because you were cor- uh, pouring through the memes and reactions on social media. What are your thoughts here on the idea of the possibility of a Silver Surfer being female in this Fantastic Four movie? I just love. Whenever any studio changes mm. the ethnicity or the sex or the gender of any character, yeah, yeah, you scroll through the comments, you're like, well, I am done. This is an outrage. <laughs> this ruins it. This is, I'm finished with it. Yeah. And you're like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Get a grip. Like, come on. Like, this doesn't change drastically the fact that you had the silver surfer you had in the comics, but like in this version of the story, the Herald of Galactus yeah. is going to be female. Might have a very similar story to Norn Rad, might not, might be different. They might do yep. a different thing, but like we're not going to these movies to see them do every single thing exactly the way it was in the comics. Civil War 
is not what happens in the Civil War comic. Yeah. What happens in the Infinity story and the with the Infinity Gauntlet in the MCU is not what happened in the comic. Right. So we this whole idea that everything has to be exact and you got to do it exactly the same. Like I just don't understand. And it also is like I get it. There's certain. How do I want to say this? Mm. I get that there's certain characters that you don't want to mess with as much. You don't want yep. to mess with their origin story. You don't want to mess with what makes them work. You don't yep. want to mess with certain things about them. Um, but then there's other characters that are sort of on the table and you sort of just feel like there's a subsection of the internet that when anything gets changed yeah, yeah. on any level, it could be an a, a character, B character or Z tier character. They're like, what? Yeah. You did what to Howard the Duck? I'm fucking done. And you're like, okay, come on. So I, I, I think this is great. I, I think that I am way more interested with, when how, with how they're going to crack the Fantastic Four yes. after two failed attempts at a movie franchise for the Fantastic Four than I am about the gender of the Silver Surfer. Yeah, fair. Um. Rodney says strawberry shortcake man in the big city. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Strawberry beefcake, and he just moved to the city. He's working out, trying to get ripped. Gonna bake some uh muffins that are protein rich Hello. for his workouts. <laughs> But look, I mean, Shannon, Frankie Ray, she was, uh, she became, she volunteered to become a herald of Galactus to save Earth, whereas Norrin is uh, um, recruited or forced, in essence, to become that mm -hmm. to save his family. Uh, so it could be a different approach. Um, and I think it could be interesting. What are your thoughts on this? Do you, a, do you think it's going to happen? And B, is this the kind of gender swap, if they're going to go this route, that you wouldn't have an issue with? Uh, seeing here in a fantastic form. I mean, I'm not a big Silver Surfer guy, so it's kind of like, all right, you want to make Silver Surfer female? Great. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, I don't really that that doesn't that doesn't affect my enthusiasm for the Fantastic Four film. I think my enthusiasm for the Fantastic Four film is getting to see the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um, and, and see if they if they finally after after two at bats finally you know do it do it. Do it to my liking. Um, I know some people do like those Tim Story movies. Um, look, I, I like an interesting story. Yeah. If making the Silver Surfer female makes that story more interesting, great. If yeah. it is just sort of like, eh, you know, Sue Storm's the only uh, gal we got in this cast. Let's make let's make Silver Surfer a female. Then the people that do put up the Cartman uh, uh, gifts of Pandaverse is kind of like, okay, well, yeah, you, you might not put be a wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, again, there's only one way to find out. And that's like one, if it even happens, right. Um, like, you know, the fact that you and Jeff were talking about, it seems like it might be heading that way. But, uh, again, I like to see an interesting story. Um, again, Aquaman, Aquaman is my favorite superhero when they cast, you know, a, a burly, burly Hawaiian guy with brown hair. I was just kind of like, okay, let's see what he does. Um, you know, mixed results, not because of him. Uh, but no. I like an interesting story. Okay. I can dig it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's where I land as well. I, I, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I can understand people being upset about it. If this was like a main character, it's silver surfer. Okay. Like there is not like, you know, millions in the silver surfer fan club who are now like, you know, grabbing their pitchforks and torches. 
it's a switch. And if they're going the Frankie Ray route, that's an interesting route to go. And why not have the balance? You know, and I saw someone comment about it, like, oh, these men are get so upset about it. And the thing is, women love this stuff too. And and so I, I do think we're in a transition place. Marvel is. Looks like DC, like we were saying, DC is, is it looks like maybe they're going to be like really kind of forging a new path for themselves. Marvel is in a transition phase, right? It's nice to be the plucky underdog, if you can call DC that, fighting against like, you know, okay, I've made some mistakes. You know, I put it together. I went to rehab. I figured it out. I'm going to put my life. I'm going to be great. You're cheering that person on. But the person who's been consistently great and all of a sudden starts falling apart and making these mistakes and missteps and whatever, you're just like, what's going on over here, man? You were so good. Like, it's not the same reaction. So they're transitioning into what they want to go into. And it certainly feels like they are going and leaning towards more females being a part of the MCU. Tessa Thompson alluded to that a couple of years ago, and we're seeing it happening. So I personally don't have a problem with it because I'm with Shannon. If the story is good, I don't care. And I'm with Michael. Make sure you get the Fantastic Four right. That's what fucking matters. This other stuff is not necessarily the thing I'm going to be worried about when I go into. I want it to work, but it's not going to be the difference between it working and not working. Uh, when I go see this movie. So I, I, do think, I, I don't understand that. So, yeah. I do think to be as fair to everyone as possible. And it is, yeah. I think what Shannon said is really the way to, because like, look, it's easy to be like, yes, diversity is important. We want more diversity. We should do it. But I think Shannon mm -hmm. is right that like, when you make those choices, you can't just go, okay, well, Silver Surfer's a girl now. Right, 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 a girl right. because we need more girls in the script. Right. Uh, and Valkyrie is a great example. I love Tessa Thompson. I think more Tessa Thompson is better yep. than less Tessa Thompson. And I think mm -hmm. Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie is great. But what, like, te like what Tessa Thompson's role as Valkyrie is in the MCU is very specious to me. Yeah, like I don't really get. I know that she's the big boss of Asgard. Right. But they haven't really given great Valkyrie. Points a lot to do like There's the Valkyrie series so I can yeah, see like like where like 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 Valkyrie sort of running things in Asgard is really interesting like when yeah. Thor handed her the keys to the kingdom at the end of Endgame like that was like that's awesome like I'm excited to see where this goes and then she kind of like was part of Thor Love and Thunder and was kind of like going along and, and having an adventure with him and then she shows up in Captain Marvel and says I'll take the scrolls but like so she's being used but I feel like nobody is sitting and going what's the really compelling Valkyrie story that we need she's one of the people that fought in the battle for you know our universe and yeah. she's sort of just popping up here and there and I do think that like, if you, so, so same that Shannon said with the silver surfer, mm, like mm. just saying, Hey, let's make the silver surfer a girl because we want more girls yeah. is probably the right idea, but you can't do it without going, well, okay. But then what is the story? How does this make it? How yeah. does this change things? How does this make this more important? I think that's a great point you bring up, Michael, because it, the reason South Park can even make a Pandaverse is because they put these characters, huh? What's that? It's because it happens. Yeah, because they put these characters in these movies and then they're just there and they don't really take the time to flesh them out and spend more time with them and really concretely establish the connections and then let them have their own story and their own agency and their own approach to things. And I think that's where it's falling apart, which is why that show worked so well because yeah. it really did call out both sides on this debate about what's happening here. And yeah, and, and I've seen people of color now pushing back on being cast, seeing people of color cast in these films and in these series, if they're not going to do anything of real value 
and there's not going to be a more nuanced, fleshed out, really interesting character arc. What's the fucking point? You know, and so we need to be beyond just casting people of color or just casting women. We have to cast so that the, the role that we're respecting that women are casting these roles, we're respecting yep. that people of color are casting these roles by bringing our A game to flesh out their character arcs exactly. and make these things interesting and juicy. Yeah, it's so important to see that for sure. Um, all right, well, let's hit this one uh, stream lab that I want to ask you guys. I started to ask you guys. I want to do it again here. Lou says, instead of Young Avengers, MCU could be doing a version of the Champions. What do you guys think about that possibility? Yeah, because the Champions is a mixture of of these characters. I, so I mean, I think possible? that ultimately, given that, given that Kamala Khan is there, it, it's going to be a little bit of both. I mean, Champions is sort of the modern more modern young avengers like the mm -hmm. young avengers were the young avengers and then you ended up having miss marvel and miles morales and nova and young cyclops and amadeus cho and uh vision's daughter uh and so you ended up having this other group of young heroes and right. there were some really great stories that came out of that uh including the whole like the mcu outlawing young superheroes or not mm. the mcu but the marvel comics with the whole like look like miss marvel uh or that kamala khan had died and like they right. there was the whole kamala's law like there was this whole great arc about young superheroes so i do think the mcu would be wise to sort of take the best of the young avengers and the best of the champions yeah. and kind of go like okay let's tell the best version right. of this next generation of young superheroes that we can yeah do you think that's uh, uh, in play here, Shannon, that they're because they haven't said Young Avengers. They've alluded to it, but they haven't said it. So do you think that maybe they're kind of keeping their cards close to the best because they're going to mix these two memberships into one team? Yeah, because, again, the MCU adapts adapts things from the comics that that works for the films. Mm -hmm. um, right. And my guess is that when it comes down to it, just the name, the champions of the young Avengers, my guess is that they would go young Avengers because there's name value right. in, in well, having right, the Avenger, know. the Avengers logo on your poster. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I imagine it'll be, it'll be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. Cause you hear the, you got Ironheart who has already been introduced. Yeah, in oh, Ironheart, yeah. yeah. You've got Falcon who Joaquin Torres is going to become down the road. And they may be going down that path with Captain America 4. Uh, Patriot has already been introduced, in essence, in Winter Soldier. I'm oh, sorry, in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. But Patriot um, was Young Avengers also. Yeah, it was part of Young Avengers also. Yes, absolutely. So you've got these mixtures that you can play around with for sure to see how this all works. And it could be interesting um, um, to see. And I like it. I like the idea of having this. And if you can bring Moon Girl off of the animated stuff and off of the page into the MCU... That could be a lot of fun to have her as a part of the champion. I do love yeah. Moon Girl. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's hit some more of these stream labs here. Th a big, big thank you to um, uh, let me hit this big one here, Darren F uh, Farthing. Thank you, Darren. F happy Thanksgiving to all, and have a great holiday season. Oh, very nice. Happy, ah, Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving, Darren. Yeah, Darren, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much. Um, Francisco says uh, so. This this is Geek Giving. What is Geeks Giving? What is your favorite Thanksgiving special from the comics? And or your favorite Thanksgiving episode from a TV show. Have a great and happy Thanksgiving, oh. Geek Buddies. All right. Go ahead, Mike. Friends episode where Rachel makes the trifle. Hands down. <laughs> like, the episode where Rachel makes the shepherd's pie trifle and everyone has to eat it, which is also the episode where Monica's parents think that Chandler is a pothead because Ross didn't tell his parents that he smoked pot. 
and then everybody came out with all of their lies and Monica was like, Ross got married and divorced again. <laughs> and then Joey's eating the shepherd's pie and he's all, he's like, meat, good. Beet, like whipped cream, good. <laughs> Jelly, good. It is, I every year watch that Friends Thanksgiving episode and it never mm. fails to deliver. I'm going to watch it tonight when we finish Geek Bites. I'm going to go put it on right now. Okay. All right. Shannon, do you have a favorite uh, Thanksgiving episode or Thanksgiving comic? I mean, it's all well. It's also Friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I I I do really love that one, but it's the one where Joey has to eat an entire turkey by himself, <laughs> <laughs> and he puts he says that he's got the meat sweats, and he goes and he puts I think uh, Phoebe's uh, pregnancy pants on <laughs> to give him more room. <laughs> it's so silly. I <laughs> I, I don't have – I have, like, a favorite comic book New Year's episode issue. Okay. I have a favorite Christmas issue. I don't really – I can't really think off the top of my head of a really great comic Thanksgiving issue. But I will say, I just did this the other night. I had um, two of our buddies, uh, Tony and Paul and I, went over to Blue mm -hmm. and Saru's house. And we all watched because Blue and Tony had never – I mean, I'm sorry, Paul and Tony had never seen it. We watched Home for the Holidays. Oh, yeah. Directed by Jodie Foster – Starring Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr., Dylan McDermott, uh, Anne Bancroft, Charles Durning. Like, it's just a stacked cast. And it's about yeah. Holly Hunter as a 40-year-old woman going home for the weekend to her family, uh, stay with her parents for Thanksgiving. And it is one of my favorite holiday movies. And so we kicked off holiday movie season by going over there and watching it. And if you haven't seen it, watch hmm. it this weekend because it's not a Christmas movie. It's a Thanksgiving movie. And it's hmm. really funny, but it's also really sad. And it's also the most realistic version of what it's like to go home and be with your family for a weekend in all of the good ways and all of the rough ways. So Home for the Holidays, high recommend. Do it this weekend. There you go. Um, for me, I have two. The first one is for those of you who are 40 and older, and that is the WKRP in Cincinnati Thanksgiving <laughs> episode where Les Nessman is commentating because um, the owner of the station thinks that turkeys can fly. And so in honor of Thanksgiving, he brings a bunch of turkeys into the helicopter and starts throwing them out of the helicopter for them to fly. And they just careen down to the earth. Now you don't see the turkeys dying or anything like that. But you, but he, Les Nessman, who was commenting, commenting is the newsman, of, he is just he's talking about it like it's the Hindenburg. And it is just genius how he's commentating on how these turkeys are falling to their deaths. Uh, and then later, when they when the station owner and I think Herb Tarlick come back to the station, they are just like traumatized by having uh, uh, accidentally killed these birds because they didn't know that they couldn't fly. I think that's a that's a great one. And I'll and I'll throw one out here that I recently rewatched again because I hadn't seen it in forever. Um, and I'd forgotten about it. Um, the current season of Frasier has gotten so good. It is such a fun watch. Really? Yes. You hated it. You hated it in the beginning. First two episodes were not my cup of tea. I stuck with it, though. And it is really a lot of fun every week. They just had Baby New Earth come back as Lilith in this previous episode, which was fantastic. And it reminded me of the Thanksgiving episode when Lilith is charged with making Thanksgiving dinner. It is genius the the bombs that are being leveled at everybody from everybody throughout that whole episode is fantastic so that's one of my favorite uh thanksgiving day episodes as well but i do have the friends one when they get into the football game 
That's a, oh, that's a great the episode. Gell- the Geller Cup. Oh, the Geller Cup. <laughs> Man, I'm not the biggest Friends fan, but that episode, I know that episode. You know, sibling rivalry and all that. Um, <laughs> Francisco- it's like feet. <laughs> Francisco Lopez says, uh, did you guys play and watch Marvel Spider-Man 2 game? If so, what do you think? I think the story well, is one of the best Spidey stories yet, and the game is great. I bought it last week. I have not played it yet. My brother, Yuri Lowenthal, the voice of Spider-Man. I'm looking forward to playing it. Uh, Mike, Shannon McClung can't play it because he gets motion sickness and isn't good at web slinging. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. The one time I tried to play that first Spider-Man game over at Vogel's Peter Parker had never (laughs) run more in his life. I, I I tried, guys. I tried, but I'm like, if you just hit this button and swing and then you release and swing and release, uh, he, Shannon didn't get it. I've been playing it. I've been playing it slowly because I've been busy with other stuff, but, um, I will a hundred percent agree. And I mean, I'm only like, 17% 17% into the game. So I'm barely into it, but I am so impressed with the storytelling in this game. Yeah. The fact that like I'm going on this journey and I spent like a nice five minute sequence riding a bike between behind Harry Osborne mm. as he's just talking to me about like times gone by. And remember when we were back in high school and there's this beautiful music playing like Spider-Man two is one of the closest things that I think I've gotten to of playing a movie. Yeah. Like you're just in it and half of the levels you're doing is like all, all out action, fighting a thousand people, doing all this awesome Spider-Man stuff. But then you do some really quiet things where you're still interacting with everything. I, I think it's so super impressive. I can't wait to play it. I really can't. I enjoyed the first one. Have you gotten to Mysterio yet, Mikey? Nope. Okay, my buddy Noshir um, Dalal plays Quentin Beck oh, in that game. Nice. Also, also, yes, in the chat, Adam's Family Values is 100% a oh, Thanksgiving yeah. movie. Yes. Home for the Holidays, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Adam's Family Values. Yep, agreed. Um, I am too fly cam also says, I mean, MCU is past its zenith. It's hard to care about any of it. DC has always been more interesting, in my opinion. Who will play James Gunn's Batman? Do you have any guesses? It's George Clooney, right? Sure. <laughs> No. <laughs> um, it's going to be Nicholas count, Holt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I wouldn't count MCU out. I do think this. No. I, I do think here's what's going to happen. I will say this. I think I, MCU is where it's at right now. We've talked about it a thousand times in the yeah, past yeah. few weeks on the show. Um, I think DC coming out. If Superman Legacy is great, hmm. it's going to spur Marvel on like nothing you've ever seen. Like if DC gets real, real good and James Gunn nails it with that first movie and all of those characters being in that movie is like, holy shit. Now I can't wait to see what happens in every DC project that's coming forward. You're going to see Marvel get real, real creative, real, real quick, which is going to be great for us as fans because we're going to get a lot of great stories. So I think that Marvel's going to have to uh, pick up the slack a little bit with DC nipping at their heels. As for who's going to play Batman, I don't know, but I'm very excited to find out. Yeah. Shannon, do you have any... Any speculation who could play Batman? Ah, uh, not right now because I mean, if they are, if since they are introducing Damien, like it is going to be mm. a Batman who's going to be late thirties, probably um, mid to late thirties, and like offhand, I can't really think of anybody. Um, but to the MCU, like I think they have such a history that's already that fan that foundation is even though it's wobbly right now, it it is solid. So there is always a chance for them to to write the ship. I do think Batman, I mean, look, with Superman, they did a relative unknown. 
and have surrounded him with a yeah. banger cast. Right. And so if they've done that with Superman, it sort of makes sense to do the same with Batman and Damien. Like, give us, like, some, like, relative unknown actors in those roles and just surround them with just a fucking banger cast of actors. I mean, I like the idea of Ben Barnes, but not 100%. I kind of like the idea of Jamie Dornan after seeing him in Belfast, but I don't know if that's a big enough hire. No way for Kit Harrington. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, too old. Phil Dunster. No, no, I don't think we can go that route, right? No, he's a little too young. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think Jensen Ackles is the choice either. No offense, but I mean. So I don't know if some people, not everyone jumps from TV to film. That's all I'm going to say. Some people are good in TV, can't do film. Some people are great in film, not really don't, don't really work on TV and just kind of works that way. And I don't think Eccles is one that can make that jump, but it'll probably be someone we're not even thinking about who's coming yeah. on, you know, to, to be, I mean, wouldn't it be funny if it's Jacob Elordi who was in contention for Superman, he could be an interesting Batman. If you went with a younger Batman to play with, uh, even though you're going to do brave and bold could be interesting to see, in that way, for sure. It's going to be uh, Pedro see. Pascal. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> the internet would explode. Just <laughs> explode if it was Pedro. Um, Fredtastic says, hey, Geek Buddies, happy Thanksgiving and wonderful show. I'm thankful for the content and perspectives you provided. Want more? Still waiting, still waiting for Shannon to hum the Star Wars Cantina song. Favorite lie from the perfect holiday. Oh, Snort Cake? The other one? I don't know. <laughs> that so, that oh, is from nice. Strawberry. That's from Strawberry Shortcake. Nice. That's very nice. Purple Pie Man never gets her name right. Snot Shake, Snort Flake. Come up with a lot of them. <laughs> uh, Hot Security Guard says, just got back from seeing Napoleon. It was okay. Sorry if you spoke about this, but it seems like no one is talking about Simu Liu uh, tearing his Achilles. MCU might have its problems, but this is another problem, especially with the fighting scenes and the long recovery. Well, yes, I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago on the hot mic uh, because he had tweeted about it, Simu Liu, and I thought it was a, a shame that that was happening because they weren't, they haven't been using Shang-Chi at all in any of the post-Shang-Chi Marvel shows or movies, and I, it's very odd, and now he tears his Achilles. It takes about six months to recover from that, regardless of what Aaron Rodgers is lying to people about, and so it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get back in motion, but it didn't seem like they had any real plans for uh, Shang-Chi anytime soon anyway. I mean, so it is, you know, I, I pointed, I was talking with, I was talking with her from Brian Leonard the other day uh, and we were chatting about it. And you know, like by this point yeah. in the infinity saga, we'd already had two Avengers films. Mm. Like if you look at like one, two and three versus four, five, six, right. Like we had already gotten to the Avengers and had gotten to age of Ultron. So we had seen our core, team yep. a couple times and the fact that they were like let's do phases four five and six but not do any avengers movies until the very end you're sort of seeing the ultimate result of that which is us being like mm. okay well like where's black widow like where's shang chi right. well right. okay like you told us this person was important but where are they well so peter parker's over here so like okay if she is she hope gonna be an avenger down the line or not like i don't know like you're there's just a lot of people that are existing on their own but there's nothing that's driving us and with like end of phase one was avengers it was like boom okay there's a team they all came together then a bunch of stuff happened then more stuff and like there's just like there doesn't seem to be that driving move forward mm -hmm. Jen, any thoughts on that no 
All right, sounds good. Aisha Kenya says, <laughs> happy Turkey Day, Geek Buddies. Chris Hemsworth in talks to return in Thor 5, but after Love and Thunder, what more can they do with the character? Um, yeah, interesting. Gentlemen, your thoughts on Chris Hemsworth coming back for Thor 5, possibly? I think that there's a lot you can do with Thor. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of Thor stories out there. Uh, Thor yeah. with a daughter is is new and different. And again, sure. something that we haven't quite seen before. So, I mean, I think there's probably some interesting things there. I think uh, the fact that it won't be Taika means that there's probably an interesting new take, which is exactly what Chris Hemsworth yeah. said he was excited about as well. So yeah. I think kind of taking Thor in a different direction and maybe he won't be the goofy dum-dum uh, that he was in Ragnarok and Love and Thunder. Um, and we'll yeah. get something a little bit different, which will be interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Shannon? Yeah. You could see that being a parent has matured him a little bit. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think, I think Hemsworth, even though he, he says, you know, they had a great time making Love and Thunder, I think even, I think he would like to go out, he would like to go out with a better film. That would yeah. be my guess. Yeah. I, um, I agree. I, I think I, I think he wants to come back one more time to leave a better legacy as a final film. Uh, and you look, a lot of people have gotten a chance to do that. Like after Rocky five, Stallone waited 19 years and came back and delivered better Rocky movies. To, so you had a better feeling about those. And so you're allowed to do that. Sometimes you have to come back and kind of smooth things over a little bit, take some time away from a character. Um, but I want to see a balls out Viking type Thor movie. I think that's the way to do it. Bring him back, make it a badass action film. Still going to have, the occasional comedy 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 moments or whatever but like make it a harder stronger ed, edgier kind of film i think that could be a lot of fun if you throw the daughter into the mix that could be really interesting too that con that conversation about how to be in a certain situation and being a papa bear defending his daughter that could be a nice element to thor that could send him down a certain path and have to come to terms with that about how to negotiate that could be really interesting um as well uh well let's take a quick break and then we're going to jump into our final section of the show and um if you wanted to send in a Streamlab or super chat do it now uh sending a thanks or whatever before we end the show here and also if you haven't subscribed to the channel we have 450 of you joining us right now please subscribe down below and hit that bell button for sure and subscribe to our podcast feed some of you may not know this we have a separate podcast feed so if you want to re-listen to anything we talk about it is all, all our episodes are up on the podcast feed uh, in case you want to take us with you on Thanksgiving. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back uh, right after this. Do, 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 do. I wasn't sure what we were talking about. Why don't you give him the cantina scene? Come on. Somebody literally asked you for the cantina scene. Because Star Wars is in the past. I'm trying to look forward. Ooh, listen to him. <laughs> oh, listen okay. to him, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, right, I'm going I'm to do quick things, and I want to get quick thoughts. Uh, gentlemen, Muppets Mayhem canceled after one season of Disney+. Plus. Thoughts? You guys loved that show. Terrible. Dumb. Terrible. Dumb. Terrible decision. What a, what a great series. Go back and watch it. It is so much fun. Muppets Mayhem what? is A-plus Muppets across the board. All right. Uh, Peter Cullen, uh, Optimus uh, Prime there in our worlds and in our lives, is going to receive a Lifetime Achievement Award. Your thoughts on this? Uh, does anyone else deserve it more than Peter Cullen? This is coming from the National Academy of Television, Arts, and Sciences. I love, I mean, look, the man 
raised an entire generation of latchkey kids with his voice. Like he, like you came home from school and you listen to Peter Cullen. Uh, as a voiceover artist and an actor, he's done so much. He's been so influential. Um, obviously, Optimus Prime as the thing that probably is the most near and dear to him and something that most of us recognize him as. But he's done so much more than that. Um, and he's the sweetest man in the world. Absolutely deserves it. Shannon, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, just the 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 journey he went on just with the character of Optimus Prime, starring mm-hmm. this, starring in this, you know, cartoon in the eighties, being in these huge movies. Uh, I mean, th- that man has had a that man's had an incredible career. Yeah, for sure. Um, a little bit of a, uh, a swerve here. Uh, this is a story, real quick. Melissa Barrera. Um, I don't know how much. I don't know if you guys have seen the the most recent um, Scream films. She was let go by Spyglass Entertainment from. Scream 7 and Paramount as well from Scream 7 because of some tweets that she posted uh, uh, surrounding the Israel-Hamas conflict. Susan Sarandon was dropped from UTA today and um, Tom Cruise's agent was demoted as well. Uh, and Tom Cruise came out and defended his agent, like went to the agency and defended his agent and said he's not leaving her. So some strong ways. Um, a lot of people are comparing this to the Gina Carano situation. I, these are two different things, right? Or, or am I off on this? What do you guys think? Brooklyn? And we're not going to get deep into this, by the way. Just want initial thoughts and then we're moving on. So, yeah. I, I think that Israel and Palestine is probably one of the most complicated issues mm. in international politics. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily lie. I think the issue that everyone's having right now is I think in most issues that we have, whether that be racism, uh, women's rights, gay Mm. rights, trans rights, just go down the list. There tends to be the red state Republican opinion and Mm. the blue state Democrat opinion with Israel and Palestine. It flip flops and it's all over the place. It's all very, very different. And so we're, we're, we're dealing with this thing where all of a sudden people who tend to agree a lot are Mm. finding themselves in positions where they disagree. And it is a hugely complicated issue. It's a hugely personal issue for a lot of people, uh, given their culture, given their religion, given their heritage. And I don't, I don't know that people being penalized for having very strong opinions about the most complicated political issue of our time is fair. Okay. That's very well said, Michael. I don't think I can add more to that. Shannon, anything you want to add on this one? Or are you sitting out on this one? Pass. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> What's that SNL? Let's get. <laughs> Will Ferrell is George W. Bush. <laughs> <Pass>. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, this came over the wire, which was a great little video today. Ralph Macchio and Jackie Chan are coming back, are coming together for a new Karate Kid film. This is a multiverse situation because obviously Macchio was under Mr. Miyagi. That was Pat Morita. This is uh, Jackie Chan as Miyagi from the uh, Jaden Smith uh, Karate Kid. But they are launching a worldwide search for a new karate kid and jonathan entwistle is directing this untitled feature uh that will continue the mythology of the original franchise it was a really fun 45 second video that they dropped today him and jackie chan gentlemen your thoughts on this uh do we need this do we want this does this make you happy uh, <laughs> uh you know oh, okay. ralph Mach- well ralph macchio is so tied to mm. to the karate kid franchise and jackie yeah. chan did one film 
Um, so the idea that to me, it's not like it's it's not like, uh, you know, two two actors who've been a part of a franchise finally coming together. It to me, yeah. it's not that big a deal. Um, the fact that they are looking for a new Karate Kid and somehow Ralph, Ralph Macchio was going to meet Jackie Chan's character from the other Karate Kid movie. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> I watched the last season of Cobra Kai too, which I thought was bad. Yeah, it was not good. So hopefully it's better than that. Okay. Your thoughts, Mikey? Do you, do you like this idea or do you not like this idea? I'm fucking in. <laughs> do it. <laughs> like, it, it is, like, look, I... It's like it's like it's like a weird team up in the '80s that made no sense. Mm. It's like, hey guys, He Man and the Ninja Turtles are gonna fight Shredder and yeah. uh, and Megatron, and I'd be like, tell me more. It doesn't need to make sense. I just, I'm good. I'm good. Let's do it. Um. Oh yeah, I like this idea. Just tentatively to see where it goes. Because I agree with Shannon. I did not like that last season of Karate Kid. It's why I didn't review it. It's why I didn't talk about it. Because I like that c- series so much. And I just don't want to denigrate it. It just went way into strange directions. And I thought it was going to be an awesome season. And the fact that it didn't uh, was super disappointing uh, on so many levels uh, for me personally. Um, uh, oh, this I want to, I tweeted this out, uh, and with the gif of Steve Carell yelling, no, John Hamm was asked about playing Dr. Doom. And he said that, I hope I get a chance. Now (laughs) I would dismiss this initially, but because I was, he's too old, but Pedro is 48 and he's 52. Now I know Vanessa Kirby's 35. If they're going to play the love triangle, it's not out of the realm of possibility because they're relatively close in age. So do we like this idea? I hate this idea, but do you guys think this, uh, there might be some validity to this? Uh, no, yeah. I, I think, I think John Hamm is a very, very entertaining performer. I also yeah. don't think he is Victor Von Doom. Yeah. Yes. Victor Von, what is Victor Von Doom? Not John like, Ham. I'll go well, you one better. Like, Why is Victor Von Doom? Yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like when we say that, like Victor Von Doom in the Marvel comics is like this uh, dictator wizard. Yeah, like it's like he's like like so we talk about it, and then in both versions of Fantastic Four, Doctor Doom is wildly different. And in the Marvel, in the Ultimate Comics, he was kind of a weird sort of had my like weird goat legs, Doctor Doom. Like Doctor <laughs> Doom, as an idea, is so broad, yeah, and has shifted so many times that that's like saying what Michael Keaton did in Spider-Man: Homecoming isn't Adrian Toomes, which mm. is true in that. What Michael Keaton does in Homecoming has nothing to do with the vulture that we know from the comics. Right. But it was really, really compelling. I'll put like it like this. I'll put it like this. I'll put okay. it like this. Um, John Hamm, despite all of his fantastic performances, Don Draper, John Hamm has never made me afraid. Right. And so I, I don't see that changing, throwing a throwing a mask on him in a green cloak. Well. I was in a car with John Hamm once and he was Ooh. yelling at Jonathan Gabay about his driving and he was very scary. <laughs> <Was he> scary? <laughs> Look, 
I liked him in Baby Driver. Of course, I loved him in Mad Men, which is a series that I'm waiting to rewatch again because I I feel like I want to rewatch Watchmen. I'm uh, sorry, Mad Men. No, Watchmen too, but Mad Men uh, again from the beginning. Uh, Lady Atlas never seen it, so it could be a fun experience to see her watching it uh, as she throws things at the wall because it's super male oriented. Um, I, I, I like him in that, but when he's ventured onto other things that have a little harder edge to them. Other than Baby Driver, which was fine, like I thought he was the worst part of the town, and I, I agree with you, Shannon. I don't. I'm not intimidated by him. I tried watching that Fletch movie for like 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> horrific. So I'm. I don't. There's nothing about him that conveys fear. And they fucked this up twice, as you said, Michael, with Toby Kebbell and Julian McMahon, completely wrong for Doctor yeah. Doom in both of those situations. And you're going to bring another TV actor to do that again? It just I, to me, it just it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't work for me. Uh, looking at it um, overall, all right. We we've put this off as long as we can. Uh, Shannon McClung, this is a new Aquaman two trailer. It dropped an hour. It was a minute and four thirty seconds or something like that. I did a reaction for it, which is up on the channel. I got to say, I had a blast with this fucking trailer. I may be stupidly going into this one and it's going to be a terrible movie, but the trailer gave us more with Black Manta. He steals the baby. It looks like his dad is going to, Tamura is going to die here. We've got more with Nicole Kidman. There is nary a sight of Mera and there's fight sequences and they unearth this evil from down below. I don't know if this is attached to the trench or not. So, what did you think of the most recent trailer for Aquaman 2 here as we're literally days away from this thing coming out? I think it was a really solid trailer. I think of mm -hmm. the marketing materials that we've seen thus far, that is by far the best one. <laughs> and because we know the movie is, you know, it, this is this is the end of the yeah. current DC film, uh, film universe, you, you, the stakes are so low. <laughs> yeah, It's like, you know what? If we can go in and just have a, a, a fun ride through the ocean with jason momoa great um if, yeah. if this ends up just being you know a couple hours to kill during the holidays great um they they cut a nice trailer yeah they're not gonna kill the baby he's gonna kidnap the baby they're not gonna kill the baby i like this comment mike aqua sauron sauron looks cool yeah i thought so too i thought aqua sauron looked good as well your thoughts here michael on this uh, trailer for aquaman uh and the lost kingdom I remember when I was a kid and my oh, parents were like, it's time to go to Yom Kippur services, which is the Jewish day of atonement. And you would just be like, oh, fuck, man, this is going to be a long fucking day. I hope I could get some McDonald's afterwards when the fast breaks. That's how I feel about this movie coming out. I know I got to go. Yeah, I know we got to review it and talk about it. We will. But like, I'm going to wake up that morning and be like, well, like yeah. fucking Yom Kippur all over again. Like I just gotta go and get through it, and then <laughs> when it's done, I can I can break my fast. Maybe I'll get some Taco Bell to hey to give myself a little a reward for making it through this movie. But I'm asking about it, the trailer. Did you like the trailer at all? No. Okay. All right. No. You guys. <laughs> no. Who's how are they fooling you come on i've been here I, I before look i fell for seven transformers movies so don't come here i mean i don't i'm a sucker for <laughs> a well-cut 
jingling the keys trailer. I'm a sucker for that stuff. And it worked for me. So, <laughs> but I hear you, man. Uh, but I'm sure I see somebody saying, it, what if it makes a billion dollars? It is not going to make a billion dollars. And please don't give me that first one. People know this is the end. They're not going to go. The same thing with Dark Phoenix and New Mutants. Once they know it's over and there's no use to it, people don't go. People don't have the time in this world to waste going to see films that have no next installment or no continuation in the story when it's clear they're not going to do it. Um, all right, let's hit some of these Streamlabs and Super Chats and we'll wrap up the show here. Jake the Nerd says, Screen Crush talked about Secret Wars culminating with Kang and Ravona heading to the end of time to kill Loki and Thor sacrificing himself to save him. That could be amazing. Gentlemen? Yes or no? It could be. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but sure. Right, right. right. I agree Yes, it could be. Mm. <laughs> yeah okay yeah let's let's give it a try i guess if we're we, gonna bring thor back that could be a good role to play and maybe that's hemsworth swan song i mean i do think there is a and if marvel squanders this that to this point and i don't know if this is exactly what will happen but i think that there is a thor loki reunion Mm. that needs to happen in some way, shape, or form Brief. where Thor has seen that Loki has gone on this journey and become such a different person. The last time Thor saw Loki was when Thanos choked him out and killed him. Like, True. They, they were in a good place, but Loki, when Thanos killed him, is not the Loki that we have seen at the end of Loki Season 2. So there is a reunion that should happen that could be very emotionally uh, powerful. I hope they don't fuck that up it's a great point thor with his daughter meeting the uncle meeting his brother seeing his brother again and seeing that his brother has grown and ascended past what he'd been before it could be a really incredible scene if they get it right yeah i agree with that uh Derek johnson says uh mike sir i love you but mcu is 40 movies in there's no dc nipping at their heels when universe kicks off i'll be 55 years old and i'm 41 now DC, DCU giving me one good movie out of D grade average is not going to push me into it. By the way, love the show as always. Have a good turkey day. If you want a new dish this year, try a good old Virginia country dish called spoon bread. All right. Now, two things. Two okay, things. Go ahead. Quick. Yes. One, I I need to know more about spoon bread. <laughs> Most importantly, because I. I'm very intrigued. Yes. Two, I have talked to people at Marvel. I've talked to people oh. at DC. Oh. What I am saying is not that all of a sudden DC is going to overtake all of Marvel. Marvel is the biggest movie franchise in history. Like DC's not going to, Superman Legacy isn't going to come out and knock that out. But mm. if you don't think that if, if Superman Legacy comes out and yeah. every single one of us is like, holy fucking shit, James Gunn, I'm so excited. He did this right. Can't wait to see what happens next. Oh my God, have you seen Creature Commandos on HBO Max? It's such a fucking baller show. Like, you don't think that Marvel execs are going to run into work and be like, fuck, man, they're, yeah, the, the fans are more excited about them than us. Like, and that's constant. That's happened for 50 yeah. years in the comics. Like, DC yeah. does some amazing crossover. Marvel goes, fuck, we got to get our shit together. Marvel does Civil War, and DC goes, fuck, we got to get our shit together. Like, that's the name of the game, and it's better yeah. for us. Like w when it's the same as like P DreamWorks having awesome animation 
and Disney being like, we got to get our shit together or Pixar being the number one thing. Like the more studios that are doing awesome things in the genre that we love Mm. means that everyone else doing that same genre has to up their game. Fair point. Shannon, your thoughts on this? Uh, Spoon bread is cornbread adjacent. I'm curious. Here we go. There it is. (laughs) Yeah, no, that looks good. Nope. Yeah, that right. looks real, real good. I'm in. I'm gonna take the the chat down here. Sorry, the the message down. Where is it? Yeah, there you go. That's the spoon. God damn it! Get off. There you go. There's the spoon bread. Uh, and apparently, you start with two boxes of the Jiffy corn mix, and then um, you mix in um, some butter, some sour cream, some eggs, some canned corn, and some cream corn. All of that in there. And then, uh, of course, you can make your own cornbread mix if you don't want to use Jiffy with flour, sugar, cornmeal, salt, and baking powder. But uh, you got to use fresh corn. That apparently makes the difference. I grew up in Virginia, and I never knowingly had cornbread. So I mean, uh, so I actually low-key, I think I might be doing this. My mom has a recipe that I'm actually making for Thanksgiving called triple cornbread. Oh, where I'm making cornbread, but I'm adding whole kernel corn and creamed corn and sour cream to it. Holy shit. So does that mean that I'm actually making spoon bread? You might be making spoon bread. Hmm. Your mom co-opting a recipe and making it her own. Okay, Mike. Okay. Cultural appropriation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But your mom is a great cook, I know. And she just had a birthday, right? So happy birthday to you. And she just had a birthday. That's right. All right. Uh, a couple more of these, and then we got to roll on out of here because we're already almost at two hours. So uh, the rest of us got to get on with our holidays for sure. Uh, where is it? Good God almighty. Did I lose it? There it is. All right. Uh, Louis Barry says, hope Kenneth comes back to direct Thor 5. Yeah, I've seen this start to become a groundswell of people saying that they want Kenneth Branagh to come back and do Thor 5. Um, okay. You guys a haunting in Asgard? Know. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> comes back with his uh, with his mustache. Um, look, I mean, I I think Kenneth Branagh directed kind of for me at least a kind of underwhelming Thor film. So I even though I under, I respect the poetry of it, that the guy who brings the franchise in is the one who takes it out. Oh. Uh, it it didn't turn out that way. So yeah. I would say like no. You know they brought John G. Albertson back to do Rocky Five after he did Rocky didn't really work out. So, you know, bringing back the old directors to come back in their stomping grounds, not always good. How did that Rise of Skywalker work out after Force Awakens when J.J. Abrams directed? Uh, Mike, do you think Brana should come back? Yeah, If it was the right project, yes, but I'm also happy to see somebody new. I agree. I agree. I think Brana did a nice job. <laughs> not a great job, but a nice job. Yeah, nice job. Adequate Haunted underscore Autumn said, this is once again for Shannon's musical interludes, Godspeed, Geek Buddies. Uh, There you go, Shannon. Anything you want to say to Haunted underscore Autumn there? You know, uh, geniuses are always misunderstood in their time. I'm really glad that Haunted Autumn is here right now. (laughs) Appreciate me. (laughs) So good. Look, so Vogel funny. actually just got on his phone. <laughs> he's, so done. he's so done with this conversation. <laughs> Let me check this message while I uh, while I up Shannon's butt about his goddamn <laughs> sing-along. Um, one last stream live here from the great Hill Nellums. Hill, dude, I've missed you. So great to see you coming in here uh, on our show. We don't do the wrestling show anymore where I saw you the most, uh, but it's great to have you here on the Geek Buddies he said, late to the show, have you guys discussed the new season of Invincible at all? Also, if you could, how would you introduce Beta Ray Bill in Thor 5? 
I want him to show up so badly. Shout to Vogel for his Disney dog sketches on Twi- on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Happy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. Those are great. I've, it's been like fun. Um, wait, what was the first part before? Have Beta you guys Rebel? discussed the new season of Invincible at all? Oh, um, we did. Yeah. Shannon hasn't watched it. Yeah. That's what you've well, missed out on. So you're, but everybody's best buddy, Shannon. <laughs> Um, hasn't really uh, caught up on Invincible yet. I feel like the shot at Reed. I feel like that's a shot at Reed, but all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so, no, I mean, I think um, I, we haven't discussed it, but we discussed doing a, a mid-season finale review. So that's possibly in play. Um, but I think we touched on earlier that we're both loving the season. The, both the two of us have seen it are loving the current season and trying to encourage Shannon uh, to get into it. Now, how would you introduce Beta Ray Bill? Any thoughts, gentlemen? I mean, in the world of the MC, I mean, right now with the multiverse and mm. with the fact that Asgard is aliens, like Beta Ray Bill seems like a pretty easy jump. Like there's a lot, like, mm. it feels like given the world that Thor and the MCU inhabits, having a character like that show up doesn't seem like a, uh, a giant leap if the right yeah. story was there. And I think they're, I think they could have a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, I think that the Thor supporting cast is pretty stacked between yeah. Valkyrie and Korg and everybody else. So it's like finding the right space for a character like that. Uh, I don't know. It would, it would be a different vibe, but I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. Shannon thoughts. Uh, I would go, I would have him on an alien planet and put his face on the side of a giant building. and. <laughs> I think we saw that. <laughs> oh, did we? Oh my gosh! Look, that's another one. Hey, and here's Beta Ray Bill. For those of you who don't know who Beta Ray Bill is, so it could be interesting to see him part of the Thor universe. Could lean into, as I said, the more like Viking esque, harder edge Thor. Beta Ray Bill could fit into that for sure, with the uh, attitude and mentality he's had in the comics. So it could be a lot of fun to see that transition. All right, one last super chat that came through as we were wrapping up here and this one is from Derek johnson again he says um i can admit when i can see it from another point of view mike by the way spoon bread is delicious put butter on it oh my god do not use jiffy spoon bread to uh, jiffy cornbread mix in the spoon bread. this is a deep virginia old slave dish oh i don't know nothing about that i'm not even commenting on that so respects uh to you Derek. i didn't know about it i grew up in virginia 26 years and i'd never heard of spoon bread now if i go back which i'm going back next year i'm going to try to find some spoon bread um, yeah, I'm so, getting, I'm getting, I'm getting into this spoon bread. I'm getting into it. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. Well, that's it from us. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate it madly. This two-hour show has been a blast. We've talked about so many things. Walk through the, walk through the fires of Marvel and DC, gentlemen. We should wrap up with like maybe quick, really quick, um, geek things that you're thankful for. Um, let's go with Shannon. Shannon, what do you got there? Anything? Well, I mean, uh, I'm real. I'm thankful that we, even though the results were not the best, I'm I'm thankful that we got one last uh, uh, adventure with Doctor Henry Jones, Henry Jones Jr. This Ooh. past summer with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Not a perfect movie, but if you are a big Indiana Jones fan, you're a big Harrison Ford fan, it is nice to see him throw on the hat one last time. And mm-hmm. another geeky thing I'm thankful for is those two geeks right oh, up there. How dare you? How dare you? There you bring emotion into this. Michael Vogel, your uh what what do you got there? What are you geeky things that you're thankful for as we're wrapping up our Thanksgiving show? I'm gonna say, um, you know, look, between 
Vox Machina and Invincible uh, and all the things we got. I'm I'm thankful for geek animation. I think we have more really good, high quality geek animation these days than we've had in a really long time. And not just animation that's aimed at kids that adults can enjoy, even though we do have plenty of that, but we've got a bunch of animation that's just targeted at adults. And I think we need more of that. And I think that that includes uh the spider-verse movie and i think that that includes the ninja turtles movie i just think that what we've gotten in the past year with animation has been really really encouraging we've seen a lot of really cool different styles and we've just seen animation really grow up a lot um with like the geek audience and i'm really thankful for that and of course i'm thankful for these guys too because they're fine (laughs) well of course i'm thankful for these two gentlemen because we've been doing this now for years and just really enjoy talking about everything going on in the world of geekdom and they never cease to surprise me. They always bring incredible points of views that expand my mind about how I look at things, uh, both animation and live action, which I really appreciate. I'm always learning, which is great for my mind. So I appreciate these two gentlemen. And we have a great time, whether on the mic or off the mic. So, um, But I also want to say that I appreciate and give thanks for all the fans who watch and listen to us every week, sometimes multiple times a week. You guys are incredible with your comments with your uh, points of view, your analysis, um, your takes on things. We appreciate that also madly. And sometimes you guys will make a comment that will cause the three of us to have a conversation about it. So trust me, we are reading your comments. We're reading your thoughts. We're reading your posts to kind of uh, um, have a discussion about it and, and, and dive into it more and more. And we appreciate that from you all. And of course, thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for subscribing. And also thank you for subscribing to our podcast as well which is a big thing. But number one thing I'm thankful for, or I'm thankful for is that we have a universe and an existence now where there are so many geek properties, both live action and animated that we can enjoy and dive into. And yes, we'll battle about it. We'll fight about it, whatever. But the fact that I can play a Spider-Man video game while I watch uh, an invincible animated show, while I anticipate an Aquaman two movie, even though we're not going to maybe enjoy that, but the fact that that all exists, and I was also, with you. I was with you till you anticipated the Aquaman <laughs> two I'm movie. <laughs> well, how about this? I'm looking forward to an Echo show or the Daredevil, uh, or, you know, three that's or the, sorry, Deadpool three that's coming. Those are those things that you can be excited about, and the fact that we have so much, um, and I think sometimes we forget because we get so mad about it that this is a glorious time, a golden time to be a geek because there's so many properties that are out there for us to enjoy. And so we may be dissatisfied. We may not be happy all the time about it, but the fact that it can even happen is really an incredible thing. And I think we should take the time to kind of thank that uh, in the universe. Cause it's brought many people together, uh, brought us together even more and brought many people who are probably watching us right now or listening to us together with their friends to talk about stuff and new friends that they've discovered here talking about all these things. So just throwing that out there. All right. Well, thank you all so much for hanging out with us. You guys are awesome. We love you madly. We certainly wish you all a very, very happy Thanksgiving or or however you're doing or whatever you're doing to celebrate that day. Uh, And please be careful. Please be safe. Please don't take chances. Please be, you know, it's a crazy time out there in the holidays. So please take care of yourself when you're out there. Um, uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media and hear some great humming music, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Twitter. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel and be one of his best friends, too, it's at MKTune. If you want to be thankful for Mr. Roca and his workhorse-like ability to do all these different shows, it's at The Roca Says. Fair enough. Thank you, Shannon. 
Uh, Michael. Um, well, listen, I mean, take some chances this weekend. Like, have some fun. Like, don't, you know, get out there and, like, you know, live your lives. Don't oh, listen well, to John sh- totally. Like, have just don't time. get in the car inebriated or anything is all I'm saying. I mean, don't drive drunk, but, like, you know, walk somewhere drunk and, like, get into a drunk conversation. Like, that's yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> unless you're John, because I've seen that happen and it's not great. Beyond right. all that, you can smash that like button below subscribe to johnny's outlaw nation page leave your comments below in the chat the chat here in the live chat has been great but leave your comments below what do you think of all the things happening what do you think of star wars what do you think of dc what do you think of marvel if you're listening to us on a podcast go ahead and leave us some comments and stars so we can go up in the rankings definitely retweet this video to your friends post it on your socials send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies and most importantly have an amazing thanksgiving weekend this guy. I'm not taking any criticism from Lockjaw Larry over here. All right, let's get on out of here. You guys are the best and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new uh, episode of The Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.